tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. Won't cost you anything to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, former South uh, Tipperary TD Carrie Atchison has passed away. We'll hear tributes to her. 12-year-old Cara Darmody on the latest aspect of her campaign. Talk of free GP care this morning. We'll be chatting to Dr Pat Harold, our agony aunt, uh, Phil Prendergast, who with us live in studio. And we'll be speaking about interior designs with uh, Karen a little bit later on in the programme as well. So all of that and much, much more to come. Needless to say, we'll have listener reaction to various different topics as well. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. A quick look at uh, today's headlines. The Irish Daily Mail, tourist tax just to stay in Dublin. Rural TDs seemingly and hotel industry are gearing up to fight a plan to bring in a new Dublin hotel room tax. And a report released yesterday shows that tax on overnight accommodation could raise more than €12 million a year for the cash-strapped capital. But there's a bit of a battle against that, as you can imagine. Um, Right across the newspapers today, coverage of the Pascal Donoghue uh, issue and uh, on the Independent, they're telling us that Fianna Fáil will back Pascal Donoghue over his failure to declare election donations as long as there are no further revelations about the public expenditure minister to the Irish Times. And again, coverage of that story. Uh, their headline Donoghue insists he did not breach electoral spending limits. Also on the Irish Times today, the EU and the British government have pledged to to continue intensive talks on the Northern Ireland Protocol but announced no breakthrough amid growing expectation that Stormont elections um, could be postponed again in the coming days. And finally, a quick look at the examiner. It's dominated, the front page dominated by the most beautiful uh, photograph of a place I'm very familiar with indeed, but it shows a sprinkling of snow around the oratory at Guganbara in uh, County Cork with the uh, beautiful Sheehy Mountains almost invisible in the uh, the background, but it's the most gorgeous uh, photograph uh, indeed on the examiner today. Also, we read on the examiner a man who tried to hire a hitman to kill a couple that was exchanging intimate online messages with his now ex-wife has been jailed for four and a half years by the Central Criminal Court. And also on the examiner today, the exodus of landlords from the rental sector due to selling up is putting households at immediate risk of homelessness, housing charity Threshold has warned. And also on the examiner today, coverage of that fantastic day in Tipperary. Yesterday, balloons and cheers and a guard of honour. Uh, the overall winners of this year's BT Young Scientists and Technology Exhibition got a hero's welcome as they returned to school yesterday. And uh, that's Shane O'Connor and Liam Carew. And we spoke to them uh, just after nine o'clock on the programme uh, yesterday. But they're in an open-top car and uh, really getting a, a fantastic reception in their hometown. Isn't that brilliant? 
All right. 1800-938-007. 12-year-old Art Finnan girl, Cara Darmody, will spend one day a week at Leinster House in a continuation of her campaign to secure better services for families dealing with autism. And she joins me on line this morning. Cara, good morning to you. Hi, Fran. Hello. And lovely. Hi, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Always lovely to talk to you, Cara. Will you tell me about this new leg of your campaign? What will happen on Wednesday? So, Fran, I have big, massive and very, very exciting news for you and your listeners. Starting from this week, well, actually tomorrow, I'm going to be marching in on Leinster House one day a week every Wednesday and I'll be going in there all day to advocate for change in the autism and disability world. And I will also be doing that until I sit my leaving cert exam in June. And if anyone is wondering what it's called, it's going to be called my campaign for change. And I'm basically going to be doing it every Wednesday when I go up to Leinster House once a week. Will you have access to Leinster House and will you have access to politicians there, Cara? Yeah, I'm going to have. I'm going to be talking to lots of politicians there. Whenever I see a politician there, I'm going to be walking up to them, having a conversation, and I'm going to be. It's going to be. Um, I'm going to be going in there to advocate for change, as I've already mentioned. But Fran, I forgot to mention the best part. But the best part is, is that every week. I'll be reporting the stories from the doll each week on the on Ireland's number one radio station, <laughs> Tip FM, and Ireland's number one newspaper, The Nationalist. Well, we're delighted to, to have you, and I'm sure The Nationalist is delighted to have you as well, Cara. You will actually grade the ministers uh, as you would be graded yourself in an exam. Is that fair to say? Yes, I'm going, you know, yeah, I'm going to be grading them. And how it works is, is that I'm going to be, like, you know how, like, if you did a test when you were in primary or secondary school, Mm -hmm. and, like, if you did, like, really bad, like, teachers would grade you and, like, give you a grade or a mark. Well, I'm going to do that to the politicians, senators, TDs, ministers, and even the Taoiseach himself. And I'm going to grade them all the way from an A down to an S. And... Well, they only get the A, B or B if they deserve it, of course. Mm. But, Fran, I'm Mm. going to be handing out my very first grade right now. Everybody, Fran gets the massive grade (laughs) A+, plus because no one can get it. (laughs) Well, Cara, I'm delighted. It's the first A+, plus I ever got, I can tell you. Um, Would you be giving them, you know, would you give them certain tasks? I mean, how does that work? I mean, will you say, we want you to do this by such and such a date, and that's how you'll be graded? Is that... Is that is that what you have in mind? Well, there's three main things that I want the politicians to do. The first thing is is immediate financial relief for parents, because no parent should have to pay privately for services that the state should be paying for, and the government is saying that they should be paying for it. The second thing is, is that I want an external complaints body to deal with the HSE complaints. The HSE investigates them themselves, and they're not accountable at all, and it is so wrong that they're like that. Yeah. And the last thing I'm going to mention is that I want a full review of carers allowance. It's presently seen as welfare, but it's not, because my mommy works harder than anyone, and she works 24 hours, seven days a week, and twice of that on a Sunday, and she should be getting paid at least the minimum wage. But I, but I will grade what is the news today. You, so, yeah. You, you have authorisation from the Department of Education for the absence on Wednesdays. Is that, is that right? You've, you've come to an arrangement with them? Yeah. Well, 
suppose um, if anyone has a concern that I'm out of school is mm. that I struggle with Neil hitting and biting himself all the time. I struggle to do my work some nights. So I saw um, that therefore the Education Welfare Service allows me to, sco- to do homeschooling at my house one day a week and I can choose that day. But... Um, so just in case Annie was wondering how I'm allowed to do it, it's because I've been doing it for years already. But the only difference is is that I'm changing the location from my house to Leinster House. Just and in case if Annie was wondering. <laughs> Very good indeed. Um, you're going to have so much work. I mean, you have this commitment now to doing this on Wednesdays in Leinster House. You are studying for the Leaving Cert Maths, for God's sake, and you're doing your normal... Um, uh, schoolwork as well, Carrie. You have your hands full. I guess so, but I don't think of it like that. The way I just see it is that if I work, I know that if I work very hard, then it would it's like it, that. I like because if the more money I raise and the more study I do, the more I get to help people, and I'm doing it to help these people. Well, very good indeed. We're looking forward to having your reports every Thursday. Then, and and at what stage will we get the grading for the politicians? Um, on Thursday, I'm going to be grading some of the politicians. But I can't tell you that yet. But i give you one clue. You need to tune in on Thursday, though, <laughs> because I think Minister Stephen Donnelly's grade could be bad. Wow, do you think so? Yeah, but, right. but you'll have to wait until Thursday for the rest of them. All right, well, we look forward to speaking to you on Thursday. And mind yourself tomorrow in Dublin. Uh, lovely to talk to you. My best to your family as well, Cara. Thank you so much. It was it was better talking to you, though. Uh, well, I always look forward to talk to you, Cara. Take good care of yourself. Bye bye, Dot. Bye bye now. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. That's Cara Darmody, who's an absolute delight. Twelve year old from Artfinan, doing such an amount of work for autism, and uh, we'll be talking to her following her odyssey to uh, Leinster House. We'll talk to her on Thursday morning. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is only three three double one double three double one. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, as you will have heard on our news bulletins this morning, the former South Tipperary TD Carrie Atchison has passed away. She served as a Fianna Fáil TD and as Mayor of Clonmel and was a a councillor for many, many years indeed. But that's just a little of her glittering career. Councillor John Fitzgerald joins me now. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Fran. Um, And you were kind enough to call me with the news yesterday, John. I, I was reading in the newspapers today, you're quoted as saying she was a towering figure, and she certainly was, John. She was. She was larger than life. A very unique character, I think. We won't see the likes of Carrie Atchison ever again, really, because she was, you know, of her time, I suppose, as well as anything else. But she really touched a lot of people in a very positive way right throughout her life. And in all the many pursuits she took, be it political, be it in the Irish National Ploughing Association, the Clonmel Show, of which she was our president, 
uh, things like Slaakyol Nahirn that came to Clonmel for many years. Uh, she was very, she was immersed in that. Uh, the old IRA, Fianna Fáil, all kinds of, all kinds, anything she put her heart into, she did it mm. uh, to, to, so efficiently and so well. She had a particular and, uh, fondness for the Clonmel show though, John, didn't she? It was very special to her. She did and, I, you know, I was I was chairman at a very, very young age of the Clonmel show. Mm. At 26 years of age, they made me the chairman and I suppose Carrie was at my back. She she showed me how to do it. She showed me how to deal with sponsors and deal with all the different classes and deal with the committee. Because emotionally, she was hugely talented. She had a huge ability to understand people and communicate with people and, you know, size it all up and know how what worked. And she passed that on. She wasn't mean with her talents. She was somebody that was willing to share her talent. She recognised her own talents and skills, but she was also willing to share that with uh, other people and uh, show you how to do that. And I learned an awful lot from her, I can tell you. As a woman in politics, I mean, when she was very active in politics, there was very few women at all, or there was very few women in in most of the organisations that she was uh, involved in. But she said she did. That never held her back in any way, John. Not in the least. I think, uh, I don't think she looked at it in terms of gender. I think um, Carrie was somebody that, you know, recognised her own uh, abilities and put them to best use. Now, she, you know, she, she blazed a trail for her gender and she, she got there. She got there. Anything she set her mind to, she, she got and uh, she achieved it, I think. And uh, she, But I don't think she was somebody that particularly, uh, you know, she, didn't, she sized you up as a human being, as a mm. person, as somebody that what you could do, let the best person do the job, whether it be male or female, I think would have been her, her attitude, you know. I think because she came from farming, she had a great love of farming, didn't she? She had a wonderful uh, love of the farming community and farming. And, you know, the stuff of legend is written, about, spoken, and I've heard mm. it over many years. I'm sure you have, friend of mm. the... Um, you know, in her years as a director of Barlow's, yes. of, of her on a Sunday evening in the harvest or on a bank holiday, deep in the harvest, late in the night, opening the, the, the gate at Barlow Farm Machinery and getting out a part for a combine mm. or a baler or whatever the item machinery that was broken down. But the show must go on as far as Carrie was concerned. She would always go the extra mile, I suppose, and do, do that thing that is so missing, I suppose, in modern society. But she, she definitely did that and she got a reputation for doing that and built her reputation on that kind of on that kind of deliverance, you know. Yeah, and, uh, there's a lovely piece from the Farmer's Journal from last year, I think it was, and it, it has a banner headline, uh, The Voice of uh, the Ploughing, and it goes into her life. But, I mean, uh, her time with Barlow Farm Machinery, she was so hands-on. There were stories of her going out to farmers who had yeah. issues with stuff, and she'd have a look, right. and she, you know, I mean, it was really hands-on. Incredible. Like, I mean, you know, farmers say to me, I, my job crisscrosses into the agricultural community, obviously, and mm. she, yeah. you know, they say to me, you know, they know that we were on the show together and they would always bring, often bring Carrie up to you and say what a turn she did, whether it was for a Gascoigne uh, milking machine or a, mm. a combine harvester or a David Brown tractor or whatever was the was the order of the day and what Barlow's were dealing in. She was hands-on. She didn't expect anyone, uh, you know, that was uh, in, a, in, a, in a position lower to do anything she wouldn't do and she would do it she would do it too in a very friendly way, in a very warm way, in a very way that people 
just quite loved her, I think. They they kind of saw that she had solidarity with their business and that they she wanted to drive on all the time. Business to her was, it didn't matter whether you were the, the guy, uh, uh, you know, doing the most menial task in the business. Let everyone drive on together was her, 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 her attitude. And that of all the Barlow family that made such a success of their businesses here in Clonmel, you know. And where the Doyle was concerned, it was interesting to read that she didn't really enjoy her time in the Doyle. Did she ever speak to you about that? She she preferred the more hands-on being being the mayor of Clonmel, obviously, but, but being yeah. a councillor. I think, I suspect that's right, because um, I don't know, she didn't say much to me about that, but mm. she, it was, sadly it was short-lived in the Doyle because of the way there were so many elections in the 80s. Yes, 1980 um, I think, was it? Yeah, 1982, mm. I think she, she came in in 81 and went out in 82, but she, she, she didn't, you know, she wasn't somebody that was going to lie down under that mm. and kind of go away under a rock and not be seen again. She was reinventing herself very quickly after that. I, I remember her as president of the Irish Red Cross soon mm. after that and back into the ploughing the show, the old IRA things, all her pursuits. She she was back in business in no time. I think she had. I think she was a kind of a person that was ahead of her time in terms of politics. That she was ecumenical. You know, yes, so sure. Fall, she belonged to Fianna Fáil, but she didn't because of her business background. She, you know, she understood that she had to deal with everyone of all political persuasions and no political persuasion. Mm. And she, she, I think that superseded maybe the the narrow political angles that some, maybe some of us have. I'm not sure, but she, yeah. she certainly didn't. I don't think she lamented overly over it, but the, she was an excellent politician. To my mind, she was a superb politician, very efficient. And so, as I said earlier, friend, she was so willing to help uh, a person that would come to her. I think Brian uh, said that her son, her, her, son, her, yes. her, her, mm. her, her pride and joy, her mm. son Brian, um, he said that, you know, she was a legend from the point of view of representation. And mm. what I, I think what he means by that is that no matter who turned up at her door, if she saw that they were needed a, a, a job done, she was willing to tackle it and take it on and help them out. And she was willing to, you know, improve their lot that they could get going themselves. So. Yeah, and uh, there were so many aspects, John. I mean, I didn't realise, for example, she was on the board of Irish Shipping at one point. Uh, That's right, you know, yeah, she was. She, was. she had a huge commercial stroke political and farming career. Yeah. She really had. She ticked a lot of boxes. Um, I, you know, she was someone like, you know, you, you, we're very lucky, I suppose, to have known. I think the generation that knows people like that mm. are a very lucky generation because I think, you know, they're, they're mentors to you then in your own life. And, and she certainly was that to a lot of people here in Clamel, the, the members of Tipperary County Council. I, I couldn't get over the other councillors the way that they had been touched by her as well as myself. So she was, she was somebody that was high achieving herself, but then willing to give back that bit of the skill that she learned, uh, that she knew. And um, look, wouldn't you appoint her to the board of Irishship? Wouldn't you appoint her to? Yeah, like, I mean, why wouldn't you tap into that uh, kind of, um, you know, acumen, the business acumen that she had, the interpersonal skills that I spoke about, the the warmth, the wittiness too. You know, she was very likeable. And uh, that was something I always you know, liked, I suppose, most about her was her, her wit. She was at show meetings, she would randomly bring the house down with laughter about some very droll remark about <laughs> she get on with it, lads, you know, and get it done. And, Absolutely. Uh, well, it's a lovely tribute, John, and uh, thank you so much, and thank you for your phone call yesterday as pleasure, well. Pleasure. Good, good to I talk you, to you, I, I, was, I, was, I was spreading the word, I suppose, but not, yeah. a, happy, not a happy word, but oh. I, I do send my condolences to the Barlow family, but especially to Brian, her son, 
who she really pr- prided in his achievements in business and in and in and in racing and so on. And uh, I know, I know she w- she got great happy drew great happiness from that uh, in her years in her last years. John, so, lovely tribute. Thank you so much, John. Thank thanks, you. Brian. Good good morning to you, Councillor John Fitzgerald. Speaking to us uh, there now, as we alluded to, for decades she was the voice of the National Ploughing Championships and I'm delighted to be joined by another legend now, Anna Mae McHugh, Managing Director of the National Ploughing Association. Uh, good morning to you, Anna Mae. Good morning. And thank morning. you so much for your time uh, this morning. Um, about thir- more than 30 years, I'm sure, Anna Mae? Absolutely. She was with us doing the public address at the National Ploughing Championships. Yeah. And, you know, she will be sadly missed by us, particularly she was a particular good friend of mine and... Uh, I would say that we know each other for over 40 years. How did you meet her mm. first? How did you get involved with her, first of all? Well, I met her through ploughing, would you believe it? Uh, mm. She was very involved in the South Tipperary Ploughing Association, and um, I, I met her then, and I remember, well, she sending somebody here uh, to get a stand at the ploughing, and uh, she phoned me beforehand, and she said, look, they're a very reputable uh, company, and maybe you'll do what you can for them. And it was in that simple way that I met with Carrie. And uh, I just didn't think I would be speaking about her this morning when she's she's a light gone from the National Ploughing. There is no doubt about that. How how did it come about that she became the voice, the, the MC, so to speak? Of well, we had, when the man that used to do that was the Westmead man, Paul Dunigan, and um, he was no longer able to do it. And Carrie, we knew that Carrie would be very well able to do this. And she had a beautiful voice, uh, not an annoying voice as some people might have. I know I certainly wouldn't be able to do it. And Carrie volunteered to do it. And she absolutely loved it. And the people that supplied the PA system, they absolutely loved her. They were extremely sorry yesterday when I to- when I phoned them to say that Carrie had passed away. It was a big shock to all of us, a very big shock to us here. Unbelievable. Because of only last week that I had a card from her, I spoke to her over the Christmas. She, if I was to tell you that she had her room booked for the ploughing championships in in next September, did she indeed? Absolutely, did she indeed? <laughs> yes. You must have had a lot in common with her because you're both uh, very strong women who had to make it in a man's world, anime. Well, we had, which you know, we didn't look at that way. Yeah. We had a job to do, and. Uh, you know, that's we continued doing. Carrie used to, she was a great person for attending to detail. Yes. And uh, I know that uh, in she was a Barlow of Clonmel, of course, and in that business she really excelled because I would hear so many people say, look, if you want a part, if you're looking for a part from Barlow's, you must speak to Carrie and it's beyond the counter when you would go in the next day. And I would want to say she was the very same with us. Uh, often at the ploughing championships with such big attendances, uh, there would be children that would stray away from their parents mm. and the lost children. But Carrie, when she would arrive at the, at the event, you know, she would come prepared. She'd have her colouring books, her little story books, her little bag of sweets, and any child that would be brought to the PA unit Carrie would look after them until they would be reunited with their parents. It was an incredible commitment, though, because, I mean, it was literally there for for days, you know, doing the job. Absolutely. And what she used to love doing was able to see the people that would arrive. And, you know, some some of the VIPs say, oh, God, my God, Carrie has found me again. (laughs) You know, she would arrive and she said, now... 
stone so after arriving the teeth are going to tarnish or the present or somebody else like or even a, a noted rugby player or soccer player or Gaelic football player either you know Yeah. she was always on the ball just to give them that little perk when they would arrive to the event and I heard Michal Martin coming out and paying tribute to her this morning as well she was extremely well known as well Annamay. she was very well known yeah. all over the country you know she was attached to so many um, organisations and, and uh, you know in the county council of course as well and the Clonmel show, the Tullamore show, the ploughing. You know, I couldn't name all the yeah. companies and all the clubs that she was attached to. And she loved it. She loved every moment of it. Yeah. Did politics ever come into it, Anna May? No, 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 no. no. Yeah. It was her love for helping others. Uh, that's, that's what Carrie's motto all the time. And she'd always have the most suitable card to send you. I just, I just looking at the last card that she sent me there was where there was a queue of people up like as if to a ticket box. And she just put on the inside, I wonder are they queuing for the 2023 ploughing? You know, thing? things yeah. like that. She'd always have a remark on, on a card that she would send. Of course, indeed. Of course, so many women going to the ploughing championships uh, as well. Would they have seen her as somebody to look up to, do you oh, think? Of course they would. Yeah. And, and so would we have looked yeah. up to Carrie. And all, all I can say to you now on a lighter note is that every morning when Carrie would arrive, I say, the, the ladies that we work in the office and others too would say, what is Carrie wearing today? Her style was... She was so stylish. Oh, yeah. God. And her hats and her jewellery. But she presented herself so well. Nevertheless, she was there to help the smallest little child that was stray away from their parents. You know, she was an all-round person, really. Yes. And I, she won't be replaced. I remember years ago speaking to her at the Ploughing Championships, and she looked almost regal in her way, too. Anime, oh, she you know? was. And yeah. her wit. Her yes. wit yeah. was tremendous, you know. She really would make everyone laugh. And, you know the stories that she would tell little ones when they would get lost and be very upset, you know, and then when she would be so delighted in making a lovely present announcement that Mary or Judy has been reunited with her parents and they were from such a place and they came here this morning, they were here at 7 o'clock and all of this, you know, she'd have some little story about them, you know. Um, but she, I, I don't know. I have never met anyone like Kerry, and I, I don't suppose I ever will. Well, she'll be very sadly missed, and I, uh, particularly from the ploughing championships this year. I well, there's no doubt know. she was the vice, yeah. as somebody said previously. She certainly was the vice of the ploughing. There's yeah. no doubt about that. And she had such a lovely, pleasant way of saying things over the the airwaves. You know, yeah, beautiful voice, a yeah. beautiful voice, yeah. and. She was so lovely in some ways. I can't, words fail me now to describe Carrie, because her ability was out of this world. You know, she was she was a lovely, lovely person altogether. All right. Uh, can I ask you, Anna May, before I let you go, plans for this year? Yes, uh, we're going ahead from the nineteenth to the twenty-first of September, and of course we won't have Carrie. And yeah. even to the bedroom, the room that she stayed in last year in County Leash year, she said, "I want the same room." <laughs> And I'm looking forward to going right. to the event. You know, just, well, sure, look, one never knows. I'm sure maybe it was a nice way for her to go. I wouldn't like to see Carrie suffering. None of us would. But our, all our directors and members around the country were so sad yesterday when they heard about her, you know. Well, Anna May, we really appreciate your time this morning. And thank you for sharing those stories with Not us. Not at all. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. Look after yourself, Anna Thank you very much. No, thank you. you. Bye-bye to you now. Anna May McHugh there, Managing Director of the National Ploughing Association, paying tribute to her friend, uh, the late... Uh,
former uh, Tipperary TD, indeed, former Mayor of Clonmel, former um, County Councillor, and uh, the list goes on and on, indeed, who has uh, passed away. All right, we will take a break. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, one of our listeners says Fran Carey would be a person that would be not at all happy with the way our housing and health services are gone at uh, the moment. Uh, she was a very, very good person. Indeed, says one of our listeners. Uh, James was on uh, to say, my son is 11. He's been told he needs braces by an orthodontist. The HSC do a scheme in schools with a dentist calling round and refers to them. Uh, refers them on for free braces. Uh, the HSE guidelines say the best age to get them done is 12 or 13. There is currently a six-year waiting list to get into the orthodontist. It will cost me 5000 to get them done because of the HSE's ineptitude. Absolutely disgraceful, says James, who's in Thomastown and tuned our way today. 1800-938-007. And we continue with our tribute to the late Carrie Atchison and I'm delighted to be joined now by Deputy Matty McGrath. Matty, good morning to you. Good morning, friend, and it's a truly, truly sad morning for Tipperary and indeed Ireland and beyond because Carrie was was a great friend, uh, a loyal person, above all a tremendous, tremendous businesswoman and always had time for the lesser and the downtrodden and the lesser, lesser well-off. She was a powerful woman. Now, you go back a long way with her, Matty. I think my first recollection of meeting Carrie was at Glen Breen's funeral. That was oh. 1969, Donovan. As Secretary of the World Railway Committee, I served as PRO, and the late Bill Tuhi, Golden Pub, um, was the chair for, for, I won't say decades, but for nearly decades. And she had some, first of all, she had the heritage. Mm. Her late dad uh, was obviously very, very involved in the temporary, uh, third temporary brigade on the IRA. But he fought in the War of Independence, I think, Matt. He, he did, did indeed. Yeah. And in the Mass and in the mm. Civil War, as did many of his family. And his sad, really, Carrie is very two of her first cousins, her own generation, you know, in, in, in late Michael Ballow, who was treasurer mm. of the third temporary brigade on the IRA. Until until quite recently, he died only the last eighteen months. A big blow to Cali because they used to talk every night, and the memories that always flooded back though when you talked about Shrook and talked about Latin and talked about where mm-hmm. they came from. Of course, they moved to Clanmel in tough times and set up business. Yes, and by head was it some business, mm-hmm. and the people of Clanmel and West Waterford and did far, far more. It was the Barlow Green. Farm Machinery Company. Barlow uh, Farm Machinery, Barlow yeah. Radiators, like heavy yeah. farmer. Very few was that time had milking machines, but were milking the cows by hand. And they kind of uh, brought a new generation of the milking machines, and her late husband, Hugh, used to be fitting doors, I remember, and indeed many, many others, and she gave wonderful careers and trades. And many of those people are still in business today. Some have gone to their eternal reward, but Carrie had respect for every person on the floor, whether they be sweeping the yard or whether they're salesmen on the road, on the directors. And as far as parts are concerned, and you're going to come into a shop now to get a part or more factors, it's all computers. She had a computer forensic uh, head, and she knew the parts of the class bailer, not a class bailer, Jones bailer, mm-hmm. David Brown tracked them. They were tricky hydraulics in them. At last combine, or indeed any of the other lines it is, or the pulsator for the milking machines or whatever. She had them all there. 
and knew where to put her hand on him and had some in stock and Council Fitzgerald referred to the fact that she had no problem opening on a Saturday or a Sunday evening or an Easter Monday or a harvest morning to help people out and did it and often delivered the part and she would she knew because the, the mechanics might ring out the fitters we knew the mechanics then would know the part and they'd ring carry and she'd have it on the way to him and she always had a fine care to be fair to her one of the care was one of my uh, um, has one of her, her, her she bought in does he? 50 MHI he does yeah. he's been to Scala Merck now but she had always a bit of panache and style but she was a super super friend a great woman and you know you, you mentioned some of her her, her achievements there yeah. she was also one of the founding board member of, of, of the TRBDI was she? Well, I know. know that yeah yeah. She was, and you said the sh- uh, sh- uh, uh, shipping company, of course. Yeah. Her, her late brother, too, Con, was involved in, in the marine and, and, and fishing and boats down in, down in Helvig. And, you know, so Aidan, the company, and yeah. I, I express yeah. my sympathies, I suppose, to Aidan, uh, sorry, to Brian and his wife and, yeah. and, uh, and uh, Rob and, and Courtney, and indeed to, to um, Aidan, his family. They've had a number of reasons. And, of course, her, her fond sister, Tress, who is has been rattled now about five or six. So this is the fourth day, I think, in in, 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 in a number of weeks. So the family would miss her, first of all, because she was an endearing personality. You know, I remember her move from Russelltown House, from um, Lodge, Boston Lodge in Tan Mel, mm. out to Russelltown Lodge, where they had a farm, and Carrie had a hardworking, thriving business. And Carrie would be no problem to be seen out in the field and out helping um, Huey, whatever was to be done. And the day he died, which is uh, actually, the anniversary was only last week. She was with him out in the was field she? that evening. Yeah. She was by yeah. his side, and now they're reunited again. But look, she was known far and wide. You mentioned that she mightn't have liked it nine months or ten months she's been to Dawn. Yeah, she was quoted a couple of times as saying that, Matty. Did she ever speak to you about that? And in, a, in, a, in, a, in a kind of a strange way, mm. encouraging me to um, to to uh, keep going and to keep at it and don't give it up, I suppose. She skirted on, her, on that point of view, but Carrie was so busy elsewhere, mm. so busy with her with the chairperson of the, of the Red Cross and many, many other areas. I was just wondering, did she find it too slow-moving, Matty, in terms of getting stuff done, possibly, you know? Most definitely, yeah. because Carrie wanted things done yeah. and got yeah. things done. And as I said, we're open to big doors. I remember when battles were both there at the museum is now yeah, up, sure. up, they were up there and we're open to be sliding doors go in and get the part and she would expect the same from her staff and her staff did and she never forgot a staff wedding or a staff birthday or staff anniversary or staff anything and the staff will tell you that themselves she never forgot the, t- the date she, did, she had a, a computer uh, like brain and the, the writing her writing was special and in May, we got the same batch of cows because I did call to see her during the Christmas period, but I didn't get in to see her. She was in bed when I called her day, but she was in great form. And I got the cat as usual. And always there'd be a little quotation at the bottom or some remark, or would be especially adapted cows. And um, we shared the birthday herself, myself, and Bertie Hen, would you believe, at 11 to the 9 11, 11 to the 9 58, but carried much older, mm. being 88. But I remember being at her 80th birthday. She didn't want to be 80. Did she, she not? Wanted, no, and she told her that that night. She, <laughs> Cara was young at heart yeah, uh, course, and, yeah. and so endearing and had so much to give and gave yeah. so much. Take the, I know you mentioned the Plowner enemy, but yeah. look, there were two of a two kind. They were formidable ladies and I remember Carrie when there'd be offer hours over commemorations and over families and who didn't get um, you know, a proper send-off. Carrie had a forensic mind 
and a frenzied list for yeah. anyone that and, and she was often the only woman on, on these various different panels and uh, organisations and, and, and stuff but she never saw it like that if you know what I mean Matty you know well take the talk to very great old Irene yeah. she was the only one except with, with, with um, uh, I know that uh, Sally Ryan joined later years and Noel but her, her, her first cousin um, um, Josephine Quinlan mm. used to come to an odd meeting but we had many meetings Morris's in care Morris's bear and was for a upstairs we were always retired downstairs but it could get dragged on and it could be argumentative, but Carrie would mm. end it just like, and even though Bill Tewis was the chairman, uh, Carrie would just end it. And with a, a funny remark, or maybe a very, I won't say cutting one, but a sharp one, let's move on and forget the nonsense. <laughs> and we need to get this uh, uh, commemoration organised. And she wanted to be writing like 12 months in advance uh, for Kilfeekle or whatever for a speaker for next year like you and I yeah. said she had the room booked in the hotel the same room so and we, we forgot to tell them our show oh, of course yes of I course. remember when she had the stroke yeah. and that year she told me she's going I said God almighty I couldn't say much I said great they flew a helicopter down to um down to um, for they did indeed so valued uh, that she had, they had such a value for her being their MC for the day they flew a helicopter down from Tullamore to get her up to Tullamore for the, that big show so one of her listeners pointed out as well Matty that she'd have no patience with the situation that we're in now with health services and housing and all of that would that would that be a fair comment yeah I agree but can I just say and I have this from Brian who mind me saying her son and her idol and she was so proud of him now in the farming and in the horses, mm. of course, in business, first of all, yeah. is that um, she was treated like a queen in South Dubridge, you know, when she went in there on Saturday and Sunday in her final hours, like a queen, so she was treated. Yeah. And I said, they must have known she was coming. I'm not, I just, but we can be often be critical, but, and he wanted that said. Yes. Uh, well, to me anyway, and I'm sure he'll say it himself, but, uh, which is lovely, but no, she wouldn't have patience, you know, she would not have patience. I know, I remember going home from a meeting one night in Kay when they were widening them. The road there at Bairn, the town outside of Bairn, and Moore's fine big land, Bairn estate. Mm. And there were sheep out in the road. So we, we were also given the night out going about an underpass there for animals. So she rang me about midnight or maybe half twelve and said, Look, I'm after hunting the sheep off the road now. So she said, That man has to get a, an under a cattle pass or back. It's such a busy road. Can you imagine trying to cross it now? But she had a foresight and a vision that none of us had mm. and she had that and that respect and I don't think she attended either the, the, the day in, in the door where they had um, celebrations from years ago for uh, the siblings she was one of, of two siblings there was mm. the Ninhans there was like she, she wasn't big in celebration of herself and those those yes, issues yeah. but anybody else's celebration she wanted it marked once respected I remember my mother's birthday my late mother's birthday was the 1st of January and she came many in New Year's Eve to my to my daughter's house she, to yeah. celebrate with Granny she did they were great friends and, and she and she said to me he who said where in the name of God are you going to tell tonight you know and because you know Carrie never took a drink and uh, she said going over to Mrs. McGrath she did and our family were so grateful but the lean commemoration mm. coming up this year mm. if she wasn't able to come She'd be coming, and it'd be the last minute call if if, if she wasn't able to come. It happened one morning. She she was out. She had an outfit ready, and by had she some outfits and style. And she said, just she just had to get in a kind of weakness and wasn't yes. able to come. And but you'd feel she'd be with you. Yes, and that's the kind of presence yeah, no. that she had. But she did the oration there some years ago. Didn't kill Crumper in, in, in um, every second of, of of September. And all those commemorations. But then, you see, when people uh, passed on that did give service and did serve in the War of Independence, and there was uh, there were, there had some, and the medals some hadn't, 
some went for pension, some didn't, mm. but Kelly knew all the families uh, in West Tip, of course, because of her own father's environment and her family's environment. And in South Tip, she learned it and deemed it. And I remember the morning of my late dad died in 84. The first call was to Kelly, and no problem, forget about the rest of this. It was all organised. The, the, the army, um, uh, the army, um, Guard of Honour, and the army, um, shooting party, rifle party, tricolour. She, she, she sorted it. Oh, immediately, mm. and there was no more question to neither right, because yeah. she wouldn't do it. Like, I remember people looking for it, and I was intermediary, and they didn't get it. Mm. Mm. Carrie knew it wasn't, um, and you didn't say, you, like, Carrie, she was the same way in politics in the county council, and she was a great support to my our daughter Maureen, and Maureen was mm. mad about her, and, you know, but yeah. she liked she liked that style. And there's a story, I'll leave it for Maureen to tell some someday at my own mother's wake about Carrie, but I'll leave it for Maureen to tell oh. <laughs> She's embarrassed about it, but um, she was only a child, or very young, and, and Carrie, you know, Carrie was in Iberville, and there'll never be an Iberville laid on her east. It's very, very true for, for, for Carrie Edgerton, mm-hmm. uh, because she had so much more to do. As you, saw, as you heard there, she was booked in for the, in the room, booked yeah. for the for the next September for the plough match. But in between all that, she had so much. And what's so interesting in farming, what's so interesting in agricultural contractors and interesting in the changes and the evolving situation regarding the milk and the, that time it was just a two or three men uh, milk and powder they put in and people thought it was like something came from Mars. Yes, so a change from milking into the bucket. And uh, you know, and then now they've evolved but Barlow's uh, really re- brought South Tipperary West Waterford into the modern era with the, with the milk machines, with the David Brown titles, well, with Matty, it's a, a lovely tribute to, to the late Carrie Atchison today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank Matty. you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Bye-bye bye to you now. That's Deputy Matthew McGrath speaking to us this morning. That'll be joined now by Councillor Richie Malloy. Good morning to you, Richie. Hi, good morning to your friend. And lovely to talk to you. You had a lovely tribute last night on social media as well. You were very fond of her, Richie? Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, fan and you know sympathies to Brian and, and the family because I, I up to I'd say nearly every Christmas you'd always get the Christmas card for Carrie but I'm going back even to when I used to be working in remember Sutton's oh, Sutton's was like kind of a, mm. and all that and Carrie was a great customer in Sutton's and now I think I might have been 19 or 20 then and when Pat Myers left Sutton's and started um, Star Fuels she wrote me a lovely letter saying, I presume now you're going to be the manager, and if you're not going to be the manager, why won't you be the manager? <laughs> you know, that type of thing. And uh, at the time, anyway, I got the post. And kind of from from then on, and that was well before I was ever in politics now, you'd get cards about this, that, and the other. I was in the credit union for a long time, and she'd always be sending cards to the credit union, especially when they moved offices there from Nelson um, Street to where they presently are. Mm. Like, as... May, Anna Mayhew was saying this morning, she really was involved in so many different organisations and how she kept a track. And I mean, I would have been, how would you say, <laughs> to be very small fry in the whole greater scheme of things. And then when I got elected to the uh, corporation, as was known at the time, you know, she was a great support, even though at that time I was in the PDs and then I was in Fianna Fáil for a while and then uh, became independent when mm. Matty went independent. And, like, throughout all that time, I mean, she never differentiated, you know, the fact that you were not a Fianna Fáil person. Yeah, I was and wondering about that, did. Richie, whether she took that to heart, the fact that you that you became independent. Uh, yeah, no, and, and especially with Matty there, to be fair to Carrie, yeah. I remember she went to one particular, when Matty had the launch, 
that time when he, when he went to independent. It was a big thing at the time. You mm. know, you were breaking for fame and yeah, all. Sure. This and that. And, and my memory is anyway that Carrie actually came to the launch, which was a very, very big thing to do. And yet, you know, she was still very much a Fianna Fáil woman at heart. But I think she was able to see all the time the kind of bigger, the bigger picture. Yeah, I got that from John Fitzgerald this morning. You know, I mean, that often party didn't matter to her, that she worked with people, I suppose, you know. No, you know, she worked with, with all the different... And I suppose she was kind of the true community activist. And yes. Politics didn't really come into it. And like she... I, you remarked yourself there, Fran, did she like the doll? Mm. And I had a conversation with her. I was often visit her in her house before COVID and that. And she was always watching Yes Minister. That was one of her favourite <laughs> programs. Yeah, yeah. Yes Minister. Yeah. I knew the way Yes Minister was very old now, but it's probably true. Now it's true. Now as it was. Yes, but the, the influence of the civil service on the poor old minister, yeah. That they, but she was saying to me that like she really preferred local politics. Yeah. And yeah. Because local politics generally, I suppose, by and large... Uh, we just say if it was a 12-member council at the time, the corporation, the 12 members, by and large, did all work together, mm. more or less for the benefit of the town. But national politics at that time, and that was the high era and all that type of thing, it, you know, it was a different game altogether. And I wouldn't say she was mad about that. And as you said, it was so slow yes, at a national course, yes. level that you're, you're one person and can you get things done and people are... Yeah, and of course, 1981, 1982 was so turbulent as well, Richie. I mean, it was... Three, three elections yeah, in one yeah, year. Yeah, it was un, yeah. unbelievable, really. But, like, as a lady, and the flag Hewan was mentioned there this yeah. morning, that was a huge thing for Clamwell and very difficult. I remember, she, you know, they would have had to get a lot of sponsorship to, to bring the flag into Clamwell. Mm. And I think at the time, if my memory serves me right, she gave out these licenses for chip fans and so on, you know, because they were paying a fee. (laughs) And a lot of the local business were given out anyway. But I remember she just literally kind of just hung up, just slapped down the phone and said, look, you know, I'm doing my best for this. I'm bringing in the sponsorship. A lot of the people at the time didn't maybe throw in the sponsorship as they should have had, perhaps. But she was kind of her own person, I suppose would be the best way to describe it. And a no-none... And, and and again, and I know I've mentioned it a few times, but I think it's worth mentioning again. I mean, she was a woman in politics and in these organisations at a time when there was very few women at all, Richie. Very know? few women, yeah. And cause I remember other times, too, she was remarked to me one time, she was coming home from a common meeting. And, you know, the way, can you imagine how many meetings there would be at the time? And, you know, these commons all over the place yes. in Fianna Fáil. And she passed some old man, I think it was out somewhere out in the Nire, walking his dog and she was saying to me I often say she kind of envied that man you know that he, he just had his own little life he had his little dog and that was the end of it whereas Carrie was involved in so many organisations and always on the go yes. like I'm sure at times she was tired and that but like she'd kind of give you it's hard to get it across really but to that kind of positivity in her no matter how low she'd be or even for us in politics. The other way, sometimes people might be attacking you about this thing and that yes, thing and other things. Like, she'd kind of give you that lift to keep on going. Like, she had a particular style about her. And I, I suppose it's in, even when you think about sending cars, and most of the councillors at yesterday's meeting remarked, you know, from every party and none, had throughout their careers got various little 
you know, good luck cards sent you at the And, and, and that's a lovely touch. I know it was much later, Richie, but did she have an opinion about the demise of the town councils? Did she have a... Oh, definitely. No, that she? was a... She was... I mean, in the in the chamber, in the town hall, there's actually um, a plaque on the wall to carry action, which was always lovely, I, mm. I thought, because whenever we have receptions, you'd often be remarking on the history of the town hall. Mm. And she's up... I, and I can't think, you know, after that many, it won't come back to me what the plaque is for, but mm. her name is on it. Anyway, but when the when the morality changed and came in and the borough lost, we'd say, the morality status and so on, that she was shocked. And, I mean, she did a lot of advocating herself mm. at that time to various ministers. Because was, I suppose when you think back, like she was a former mayor mm. of the town, but there was five, was it five boroughs in Ireland. It was such a shock at the time then when Phil Hogan at the very last minute decided to abolish the five yeah. boroughs, because like, that wasn't expected. No, she was certainly a very... And she came to a lot of um, receptions down the years because all the former mayors are invited back. Mm. To the, and, you know, one other thing I must say about her, as, as going back into the caring role, when Carrie got the stroke down, that's a long, long time ago, mm. um, you know, a lot of people would have ended up in a nursing home and that would be the end of it. And she had the idea of hiring in a living carer, Lucille, I think was the girl's name. And that made such a difference. And I don't know how many times, Fran, over the years, people often ring me, so how can we get a living carer? And I used to always give them Carrie's number because at the time she did that, and that's a good few years ago, it was hard to get what you call a living. And uh, she'd always be generous with her advice uh, at times like that, would she? absolutely, absolutely. It was a lovely lady from the Philippines that... Mm. um, lived in with for many years and drove her to various events. But it was such a kind of, um, it was a new phenomenon at the time. And the funny part was with older people, when they hear that Carrie Axon had a living care, it gave them the confidence then Did it indeed? to think about it. Isn't you know, it was a, because her name was so strong that if you mentioned, well, Carrie Axon did it anyway. Do you, and and do you know what emerged from this morning, Richie, that I, I, I love is that she still had plans. She had a room booked for the ploughing championships. That she, you Incredible. know, she still had I mean, plans. Yeah. If I'm right saying one year in particular with the ploughing, I think she flew up there by helicopter. Uh, Matty was just telling us that. I, I think from the Tullamore show, yeah, they flew her up because she yeah, was unwell, yeah, I yeah. think, at the time. Because she was, certainly now, and any time I'd go up to the ploughing and I, you know, you'd... She once she'd know you were in the area, she obviously so and so's here from Clanmel now. You know, she yes. like her like and I suppose it made people feel that they were particularly special were or whatever. Special, yeah. But no, she was another IMAC where I'm talking to at the moment is over there near the post office. And when I was in Sutton's, you'd be going to do the post every evening nearly religiously mm. at five thirty and you'd invariably Carrie's Merck would also put up at the post office at five thirty and she'd hand you her post. She said, will you ever pop that in to the box for me? And off she'd go. Oh, very good. And that's an awful well, long time well, ago. Richie, I must... I must, I must leave it there, but lovely tribute, Richie, and thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. Not at all. Thank Thanks. you. Bye-bye to you. Bye-bye. Councillor Richie Malloy speaking to us there about the late Carrie Atchison. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Pat, uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. A listener on with a, a lovely WhatsApp saying, Fran, Tipperary hit three All-Ireland events 30 years ago. The Ploughing Championships, the Flaakiole and the Sheep Shearing. And Carrie Atchison was involved in all three. May she rest in peace. Lovely, lovely uh, WhatsApp there. Thank you for that. Is it 30 years? Was that the Ploughing Championships that were near uh, New Wynn? Is that 30 years ago? My God, where have the time, where has the time gone? Um, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Now, yesterday we spoke to Councillor David Dunn uh, regarding the Save St. Bridget's Hospital campaign and uh, members of the campaign will present to the Doyle Petitions Committee this coming uh, Thursday. Now, the group has highlighted that it's almost three-year-long campaign for the reinstatement of respite and palliative care services in Carrick and has finally been accepted into the Oireachtas Committee arena. Well, Eddie Reid uh, is a local activist, indeed, in Carrick and and also part of the Meals Assistance Group in Carrick. And he joins me now. Eddie, good morning to you. Morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well, indeed. Great to talk good. to you, uh, Eddie. What, what are you hoping for this Thursday, Eddie? Well, look, I suppose we're not looking for... We're not expecting to walk out of the dawn on Thursday with the keys to the hospital. Yeah. Um, what we're expecting is that the process is finally getting to its conclusion, or, well, finally starting from the dawn side of things, that the committee will bring those responsible for closing the hospital in front of them after hearing our arguments and... Hopefully that will start a reversal of the closure. Um, the HSC, Junior Minister Butler, anybody that has a responsibility, um, that they'll see that hopefully the committee will see through the report that we got back for what it was, um, two or three pages of falsehoods and this is from the HSE, Eddie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, and I, I hope, and I got the impression from Davy yesterday that you'll be putting forward the human aspect of this. And I mean, with Absolutely. your involvement in meals assistance in in the town, you you must see firsthand and and talking to people what the hospital means to families. Absolutely, I, I'll give you a quick example. Now, this morning at ten past nine, as I was coming into the kitchen, I met a man. His aunt actually does a lot of work for us. Now she's an elderly lady, but she provides buns once a week for the our customers. Mm. She had a fall up the country over Christmas while she was away with her family. She's still in hospital in well up the country. And if she was if our hospital was open, she'd be down here among friends and family. She has nobody where she is, only a nephew and niece. And that's kind of the the, the human side of things that we're going to be trying to push. Yes. I mean this lady is an active an elderly lady but a very active lady. Um, she's stuck up there in a bed with nobody around her. Whereas if she was down here, she's, she is a popular character in the town and everybody knows her. She would have visitors 24-7 if she was here. Which would be very important for her well-being and, and, and her probably... Well-being, her yeah. mental health, for yeah. every aspect of her recovery. No more than anybody 
that we're dealing with. I mean, we've got families that, husbands and wives that are, they're kind of codependent on each other. Yeah. And there are times when maybe the wife would get a bit sick for a couple of months and the husband could do with a bit of respite yeah. or vice versa. Um, and these are people, some living out the country, that our drivers are maybe the only person they'll see because the home help is, is just gone to the dogs. You know, it's... Yeah, and what I can't get my head around, and again, I mentioned this yesterday, is that, you know, a hugely important part of doing something about the the hospital crisis, Eddie, is is being able to discharge people into some place it's like St. Bridget's. Yeah, you know. it's a step-down facility. Yeah. It's like, there's none of it. It's impossible going around it, looking at the people that are, that should be in step down that are locked below in their keen or locked in Clamel and it's heartbreaking to see their families having to travel mm. this um, argument we got off Minister Butler about Ross Gray and someplace else up, there, up in Tipperary that mm. was only a couple of miles away Yes, I mean all of our clients are elderly mm. all are infirm it's one of their one of the, the spells is in Ross Gray or is in somewhere up North Tip. It's not a hope in hell that the, the other spells can go to visit him. Uh, which, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. One of the things that bothered me greatly as well, Eddie, and um, Davy agreed with it yesterday, was there, there's a danger with a campaign like this. If it goes on too long, people begin to throw their hands up and say, sure, look, it's, it's dead in, in the water. It's very important to keep people enthused about this, isn't it? It is, but you see, the only thing is, Fran, we'd, we've had a, a, a terrible run of luck in, in Carrick. I suppose, look, every town is the same, yes. every village is the same, with death COVID and, and with COVID yeah, and, yeah. With, you know, and people are aware, like, everybody says, when somebody passes and they're passing a hospital in Waterford or Tipperary, the first words out of our mouths are, if that place was open down there, they could have passed in peace yeah. with their family around them in their own town. Mm. And mm. it's it's um, it's something that's said by a vast majority of people. Mm. It, and that's what's keeping it in people's minds. It's still there, you know, it's still to the fore in people's minds. Now, I know that the public side of it, the marching on the streets and that kind of thing is gone. But the political side of it has taken over. And... That's where we are. Right. So you're of no doubt, Eddie, that this is still a hot potato in Carrick and Shore and the surrounding areas? I, I guarantee you, Fran, if, if we organise a protest for this Saturday, we'd have bigger numbers than right. ever. Right. Without a doubt. Yeah. Is is it also spoken of in Carrick? Because a listener was on to me a couple of weeks ago saying about the new clinic that was built there, that, you know, there's very little going on there. There's next to nothing going on there. Um there's people employed there, I suppose. If you look at the books from, from the HSE side of things, yeah, it's working and there's people in there and they're paying their... The HSE are paying their wages and what have you. But there's next to nothing in there. Yeah, I mean, you take it... One of our local GPs was able to book more or less the whole place to do COVID injections. Mm. Mm. So, I mean, if that place was busy and if it was up to... If it was running to the standard it should be running... There's no way a GP should be able to book it for 100 people a day for three days, mm. block book it, you know. The hospital itself, there's life in there. 
it just turns out that the um, hospital in Clamel is the refurbishments that are going on in Clamel. The admin staff are actually blowing Carrick now using our hospital in Saint Bridget's. In Saint Bridget's, so that that explains why the car park is fairly full then. Yeah, that's it. There's admin staff down from Clamel while Clamel has been refurbished. Once the refurbishments are complete, the staff are gone up. You know, I mean, Minister Butler was on about these diabetes clinics mm, and yeah. all this. It's not happening. And look, truth be known, it never could happen. Because if you go to a diabetic clinic, obviously part of it is your feet and, and more importantly, your eyes. Mm. So the clinics in Clamell and Waterford have the facilities to do the eye test and the, the all that kind of stuff, as well as the blood test and sugar level test and all that. Sempre just doesn't. So it still means if the diabetes clinic wasn't there, you're going to see somebody, mm. but you still have to go to Waterford or Clamell to get your feet done, your eyes done, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just... It, 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 so was this a sop being thrown at people at, uh, at one point, was it? From day one, day. without a doubt. Um, yeah. And it, it, there's... I know we're going to meet Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, and... Sinn Féin, I think there's two independents on the committee. And I'll be letting them know as plainly as possible that I would be calling on the people at Carrick and Shore and the surrounds, as I've done before, unless St. Bridges is reopened, that the government parties that are responsible for this are held to blame. Can, can I put one final thing to you before I let you yeah. go? Because you speak about our public representatives and our TDs. And whenever we yes. speak about Dean Maxwell um, in Ross Gray, there, there's almost a lot of action from from our TDs. It appears to me, Eddie, that there's not the same amount of vocal support when it comes to St. Bridget's. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Right. I, I said it from day one, I, I suppose, to, to paraphrase the commitments. You've got... I can't really say it, I suppose. It's probably politically incorrect now, but you've North Tip and South Tip. If South Tip is the poor relation and Carrigan Jure is the poor relation in South Tip. And that's kind of the way it is. Nobody is... And is that the general feeling on the ground, Eddie? In Carrick? Yeah. Absolutely, we're a forgotten town. Like, there's nothing in the town. I had a... We had a, a lad... Now I know this is Waterford Hospital's point... A lad the same age as me that went to school that had a massive incident on Sunday. Ambulances from Clamell, Waterford and the air ambulance had to come. Nothing in the town for them that they could say. Luckily enough, the estate he was in, they fundraised for Ron Defib mm. and the Defib worked uh, on the chap. But like that's just one incident. The town is completely forgotten. We don't... Like, I work in... I worked in Torless up to last week and I shifted to Clamell then. Mm. And I would have strong feelings about um, Michael Lowry and his politics and the way he operates and that kind of thing. But dare you say a word against Michael Lowry in Torless? Because Michael Lowry is the one that gets things done. You know, we just don't have somebody like that down here. 
All right, Katie. Well, we'll be we'll be following what happens on Thursday with great great interest uh, indeed. Great. And are you are you part of the presentation committee? Are you part of that? Yeah, I am. Yeah. All yeah. right, all right, Eddie. Look after yourself and best of luck okay, on Thursday. Right. Thank Thanks you. A Thank you, Gabriel. Bye, bye. So that's Eddie Reid speaking to us there from Carrick and Shore about that presentation by the. Um, Save St. Bridget's Hospital campaign to the Doyle's Petition Committee on this coming Thursday and we wish them well. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. So I'm speaking to our GP now, Dr. Pat Harold. Pat, good morning to you. Good morning, Fred. Good to talk to you, Pat. I was taken with your piece in the Times yesterday, Pat. You made a very interesting observation. You said COVID, RSV and flu, we're sick of them, but they haven't had enough of us. It's a, it's a busy month, isn't it? Oh, it is a busy month, yeah. We're, we're back to firefighting again, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, the years that had gone out, with two years ago, you know, we were, we were locked up. And um, thankfully, you know, we're not as worried and as scared as we were. No, but um, because the Omicron has changed, or when the variations have changed mm. a bit, and most people are thankfully vaccinated. So, and people don't do it. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's um, all this sort of war footing, and Jesus, it would be great to get back to doing a bit more sophisticated medicine than, mm. than colds and coughs and flus and stuff, you know, again. Wouldn't but, it? Um, in, in, indeed. Yeah. What, what is happening then where the hospitals are concerned, uh, Pat? I mean, if you're referring people, I mean, you, what are you referring them to? Oh, my God, Fran. You know, um, well, you know, it's one good thing that's come out of all this. It's finally, um, they kind of lifted a rock and had a good look underneath mm. it at what's going on in Limerick for years. Yeah. Now, any GP would have told you that, um, to, to, to coin the phrase Alan Kelly used, so well, we were sold a pop in 2008. Yeah. You know, and it was quite simple. You know, I mean, they was they said that they were going to the centre of excellence in the mix. Sorry to revisit all this again. Mm, yeah. I think it's it's worth starting to have good. And um, I remember going to meetings with all kinds of people from A to C, and there was there was um, experts brought in and everything. And we all sort of sat there, most of the GPs you will know, and said that is all very well, and it, you know, it probably will be better, but you have to push the make um, the big hospital bigger before you close the other two. Mm. But they closed the other two and they didn't make the big hospital bigger. So anything I told you, but it, yeah, you can see that it's basically uh, failed the people of the area and um, hopefully we won't be in the same situation next year. Um, the only thing that worries me is, you know, that you can throw money at things, but if you don't start to beef up the management... Of course. You know, I, I always said, I think if John and Francis read and into the Midwest hospital after a week, you'd see a huge difference because there is all this business of having no computers and charts and computers and all kinds of um, management problems that I really think need to be sorted out. Did you get any heart from the fact that they opened up Ennis Hospital to some degree and we, we heard from some of the politicians that there's a possibility of that happening with Nina. Um, did you get anything from that? 
that's that's fine, but you need something sustainable. Man. Yes. You know, um, it's okay to be doing this in an emergency, but you know, if they're going to be closing down clinics, what happens to all the people who need their diabetic check and they need their heart check and all that? Mm. And and they're the ones who are going to have the strokes and the heart attacks and stuff if they're not looked after at this stage. You know, it's it's like kind of making the road safer instead of um, treatment and all the car crashes. And that's what you want to do. You meant to make the roads safer so people don't crash their cars. And um, you want to make people's health safer. So, I mean, if you just look at the thumbs of it, it was like if you had, um, I don't know what analogy I use, you know, or um, three big sheds in your garden mm. and you decided you were going to be, make the biggest shed, put everything into it, which was grand. Mm. And you, took, you you pulled down the two small ones, but you didn't do anything to the big ones. Now, I know there's about an extra 90 beds in there and casualties a lot bigger, but um, they still haven't put in enough and most people in a big sort of a loop all around them because go elsewhere you know they go to other places which puts pressure on all those casualty course, departments yeah. as well yeah we we never seem to learn though pat i'm sure sure i, th- I think uh, mrl might have sent you that research funded by the department of health on this slanticare promise that there will be free gp for everybody by 2026, but I mean, sure, we all know that you can't even get registration with a GP at the moment, and I'm sure you have waiting lists. Oh, that struck me very much. I mean, the SRI want to, um, it's their job to look at the, the finances and the economics of the thing, yes. which is great. Um, um, I, I would prefer, like, if, if policies look more of well-being and health, and you know what people want, I don't always be thinking at the bottom line. Um, now, you can't expect the SRI to do that, but it's hard to presume that the thing was working at the moment. Mm. And it is just about working at the moment. Mm. Now, I remember you told me, we were having a chat about something else about a while ago, that, um, you know, there's a lot of sort of frustration and all that. And people yeah. are annoyed. And I need to use other words there. So they're, they're annoyed and fed up and everything. And um, we're, we're getting... Yes, here, and, they're, and they're annoyed with their GPs, Pat. You know? They are. And yeah. that's actually... There's a thing in the UK that um, it's the right-wing tabloids are attacking general practice big time. Now the Tories are trying to break up the NHS, you know, that's, mm, that's kind yeah. of their, their right. And, and they have these front lines that doctors work harder, they work more hours and this kind of stuff. Now most doctors work way beyond what's safe for them. You know, you don't want a doctor who's sort of staggering about and yeah, sure. and, yeah. you know, and all that. And for every doctor you need a whole infrastructure, you know, you need nurses and most nurses, you know, the reason nurses are all emigrating is because when they got a little nurse's outfit for Christmas and they, they did not expect to be sitting in a casualty mm. department being lowered at the screen mm. and working like that. So they'd go to Australia or whatever. And, you know, it's very hard to get any kind of staff. It's very hard to rent any kind of premises. Um, but, but blaming the GP for it is it's like blaming the newsreader because the news is bad. You yeah. know, we're, we're getting by you now a quarter of the GPs in the country are over 60. And, um, well, is that as know, many as that? So, 25 Well, if you think about it, like the, the guards at that age retired for 10 years. Yeah. You yeah. know, the civil servants are nearly all gone, but they're hanging on in there. And you won't train your way out of it. And um, it's, it's, it's kind of unacceptable to go really go trawling poor countries trying to pull their doctors out of it. Yeah. Now, there is, there is maybe one good thing people might do is train doctors on the, um, and nurses on the sort of promise that they'd stay around for a couple of years. You know, that would be very good and give them free training. Yes, you know, and, and, and incentivise their training in but some there way. Is, there is one, one idea won't get us out of this. You know, we need lots of ideas. We need thinking outside the box. Yes. And, and you do want buy-in from, um, you know, you can't always see any sort of changes that threat. You know, actually, GPs are very, you know, primary care, we're very flexible. You see everything. And most 
most GPs I know, if you launch a care came in, you don't well, you know, we, we, yeah. I, I, know I personally would think that at this stage Ireland is a rich enough country to have a free healthcare service for all and I'd love that and I worked in the NHS in its glory days and it was absolutely brilliant but the thing is it, it's, it's sort of nature if people have access to it and more access as they suggested you know it just gave everybody medical cards and everybody rocked up and um, you see we, we also Fran we also I don't want to sound too moany hospitals dump are dumping an awful lot of stuff in us they didn't do before. Like they're asking us to do the blood before and after operations. They, we spend so much time and more trying to work out what sort of changes are done when people are in hospital. Yeah. Like I, I saw somebody today and I had no idea what went on. This was stopped and this was changed. Um, there's no one you can ring. Um, they have to wait a few days. I mean, that's a serious a waste of time. You know, um, we... Uh, so the worse the hospital service gets, the more we have to step up the mark and plug the gaps. And um, so, do you do you not have some way of linking into somebody's file or something, Pat? Is that that's not possible, is it? In a word, no. In a word, no. Which that's crazy possible. in this day and age. You might get a handwritten note coming out, and I mean, and I was looking at a couple this morning with the medical student here, and she's better younger eyes than me, and she couldn't read me. <laughs> so I mean, so you know, Fran goes in, and I get some sort of scrawl that you know might mean we stop his aspirin, it might not. So there you go. Um, and like, now, like I mean, in in I know in Denmark they they brought in a thing years ago. I think custom the prince is done a ten billion quid, quid, and they brought in this this uh, thing where you any GP or pharmacist can see the hospital. No, they could just log in and see what went on and what was changed, what stopped, and what was started. But you'd, you'd imagine that that is completely... Be- Do you know something else, and I'm sure it will annoy the living daylights out of you, you? We mentioned there the ESRI report that was commissioned by the department. And I heard Dr Sheila Connolly, who was the lead author of a speak this morning. Do you know how many GPs they spoke to in the compilation of this report? No. One. <laughs> One GP. Well, so, well, so this report is not it does not reflect what GPs think is possible. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. By and large, I we we you know you have to put the the um, step in place. You know, if you get, I mean, as you asked me to start there, Frank, are, are the list closed? And an awful lot of people have to rock up the casualty because they have no GP at all. Yeah. And another thing nobody talks about is if you move. You know, because as we know, housing is a crisis. So we just suppose somebody in Ina decides has, has to has to move to Bursley. Yeah. Right. And um, they can't get a GP there. So you're kind of then looking for somebody and looking after somebody in Bursley. Now, a house call is out of the question. You know, they're too far away. Um, um, so, and, and another thing, Fran, is, and, and I really sound moany here, but I mean, people have more complex um, stuff going on. You know, there was a time when if you got heart failure in your 60s, that was it, you were gone. Yeah. And um, now, it's great. You can live on into your 90s. You might have diabetes. But, you know, three or four things going on. People are complex. They need a lot more work. And for every GP, it's a bit like um, the lead singer in a band. You know, Tina Turner or Freddie Merton mm. or something. Band, but you wouldn't want to hear them singing chant notes for two hours. You know, we can't sit down here on our own. You know, yes. we need yeah. all the staff and all the stuff and everything. And we have to run the sort of a business as well. And general practice was starved since the crash. You know, they it was basically just getting by. Right. And, and, and even, though ask... even though it's, it's part of their... But now, it, it's, uh, there's been a lot of positive changes in general practice. There's no doubt. 
about. But it'll take time to turn that bus around. You know? Right. So can I ask you, Pat, then, this notion of 2026 seeing us with free GP care for all, you speak about an ageing population, we speak about the lack of doctors, all of this sort of... Is that... I mean, that's just no way is that going to happen. I, I don't know. Um, but, I mean, more people yeah. would take up a visit to the GP if they didn't have to to pay, naturally enough, wouldn't they? Oh, they absolutely would, yeah. yeah. And um, and that's when you have to think, that, that sounds lovely, but um, will I get in at all? Yes. You know, will, and having the same day service, is it, it, it's amazing that most places of Ireland just have the same thing. I mean, the north of Ireland, you can't get to see a GP at all. The whole thing is collapsed. Yeah, well, so whole was... counties without it. Well, some, some GP services here are similar now, Pat. I mean, it's days before you can get in, by all accounts, from our listeners, you know. Well, it's days, but if you're sick, you're generally seen the yeah. same day. Yeah. You know, if you ring up or something like that back then for two weeks, you know, we'd probably say, yeah, we'd probably be Thursday or Friday. You know, that is, and at the moment, we're kind of in crisis mode yet again, you know, so, um, yeah. but that's the way I think across the country, really. But it's the person who rocks in town with two children and they've got a job and it's lovely and, um, you know, uh, and they want to join and you have to say to them, I'm really sorry, but we can't take it. And that happens all day, every day, in every general fact. My God. And do you know that notion of the expansion of the GP care to children aged six and seven that was supposed to be brought in? Um, that's not in yet, is it? Yeah, I, I think maybe something a bit more means tested would be better. Yeah. You know, um, that's just the way you say it. Now, kids between six and seven generally aren't too complex or too difficult, you know, generally. Right. And, um, you know, they they wouldn't, but um, they wouldn't take up too much of your time. Because there's, there's different ways to do it. But all I can say, Fran, is um, we're, we're doing the best we can, yeah. you know. And, and I was actually, I mean, I just give you notion now, Fran, I've... Uh, and I, I, the, the big thing in the tabloids in England is, you know, if GPs worked on Sundays and Saturdays, I mean, there is, you know, um, Shannon Doc and Care Doc and My Doc, but My Doc has to kind of collapse. All those things are going at the weekend and all that. Um, yeah, even though it's I'd very hard to get I'd hold be, of them I'd by all accounts, Pat. I'd be at a meeting of doctors all getting together tonight and yeah. um, and working on these sorts of problems, and I won't be going till 11 o'clock if I do it all every day. You know, there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. And, um, Yeah, but, but again, I, I we, we, we heard about Care Doc and Shannon Doc and people waiting for long periods of time to get the phone back, uh, the call back, and, you know, to be answered and all. You know, there's a lot of issues out there, and people are angry, and I know that they're taking it out on yourself, and more importantly, they're taking it out on your receptionist from time to time as well. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just, um, you know, why the system is the way it is. And, you know, a lot of things, I mean, the population of Ireland is growing as well. There's more people, you know, you need more services. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, in some ways, that's all good. You know, we're turned into a good, rich, modern country. But um, we're, we're playing catchy up and we've had a hard couple of years. I just think, you know, I mean, I really feel, I, for my own personal mental health, I have to remind myself from time to time, I am not wanting to help them. It's not my job yeah. to do it. Yeah. And um, I, when I'm driving around you know, apart from when you were on fan, I, I, I'm far better off listening to music or something, keeping the head <laughs> yes, down and doing my job and not blaming people for, I know. for the way things are, you know. know. So that's um, because you're so mad otherwise, you're mad at everything that's worried. And the tabloids just love to stoke that. 
Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, can I just uh, just advise people that uh, that article that you wrote for the Times as is up there online if people want to have a look at it as well, worth uh, a read. Pat, as always, good to talk Thanks, to you, Pat. and Take you care. look after bye yourself, bye. Pat. Thank you. Bye bye. You know that is my good friend uh, Dr. Pat Harrell there speaking to us this morning. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double zero seven. Text WhatsApp oh eight three three double one double three double one. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Um, Jerry, thank you for the message. I'm delighted to say hello to the great uh, Joe Hackett, the great uh, singer and character from Nina. Joe is residing at the moment, I know, in uh, Rivervale Nursing Home in Nina, um, uh, where his longtime partner and uh, friends also uh, reside. And uh, Jerry tells me we play music occasionally in Rowan's Pub in Nina uh, when Joe and Mark, uh, Margaret uh, frequented and many of the great night uh, we had there. And Joe, of course, always. Uh, with uh, Nina uh, Jazz Band as well, a great character, and uh, just to acknowledge that. So isn't that great? Isn't that great altogether? And I know Joe well, and we wish him and his family the very, very best indeed. Now, it's time to speak to Karen Prendergast, who is our interior designer. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning, friend. You caused a bit of a stir last week with the painting of tiles. I did. Didn't you? There was, there was people running for pens and paper and turning up the radio, but I we heard. We didn't and know that we could paint tiles. Yeah. So, you know, I'm hoping any week that I'm here that alongside maybe a subject that I'll talk about that I'm going to do a tip of the week as well because me being in the job, I mean, I know all the shortcuts and all the ins and outs and things that you can do that other people mightn't be aware of. So I think this is a really good one. Maybe not for this month, but for coming into the spring and people want to just update the front of their home. Yeah, tell me about the tip of the week because I had no idea you could do this. So how to paint your PVC front door? I so I sat down on Sunday evening pages. and I made a few notes because I, I know it off by heart in my head but not to make sure that I wouldn't miss any one point. Hmm. So painting and decorating is not just sometimes is not just about sprucing up your interior. Sometimes exteriors need a little bit of TLC too. And I'm seeing a lot of green around the footpaths and, you know, mm, the mm. underneath of my front door and stuff like that. But another few weeks now, and I'll get rid of all that and get that sorted. So if you want to paint your PVC front door, it's very possible to do it. But you have to do it properly to have right. good success. So as I all know, PVC doors or composite doors, they're all made to last. But they start to age after some years, and especially the white ones, they mm, go off mm, colour slightly, they from, do, don't yeah, they? Yeah. So here is how to get your front door looking its best. So there's five simple steps that I've um, designed. So the first one is gather the tools that you'll need for the job, which is a bucket and sponge, a dust sheet, small amount of sandpaper, a roll of masking tape, primer, your finished colour paint, and a paintbrush. Mm. So how you go about it is you remove any door furniture, if you can, that's on the door. By that, I mean door knockers, door knobs. Maybe you might have an ornate letterbox. By removing these items, it'll make it simpler to paint. Otherwise, leave all the items on the door and mask. Use mask and tape to mask around them. Right, right. So preparation, preparation. Preparation. Yeah. So prepping the door for painting. Mm. Start by using a brush 
and sweep away any dust or debris that's around. Wash down your door with a sponge and some soapy water. Bit of washing up liquid. Mm. Dry the door completely. If you're going to continue painting the door at that stage, lay down a dust sheet or some plastic and mask it down that it doesn't blow away if it's plastic. You may or may not need to use a light, little bit of light sandpaper. If you are going to use some sandpaper and you've lumps and bumps on your doors, which you shouldn't have, be very, very careful because we don't want to scrape away the surface of the door. You may not need any sandpaper at all. And... um, that's that part of it. Mm. So at this stage then, mask any pieces of glass that you have, maybe might be in the centre and the door, as well as, as we said, your knockers, your knobs, your door handle, anything like that. And pick a paint that works on PVC. Mm. So there are special paints that work on PVC. I won't call out the brand okay. at the minute. But um, there's also, if it's not a special paint that works on surfaces like PVC, there is a special primer. And that primer... The recommend the primer would normally be a one a bin primer one two three a one two three primer that's what's on the the, the cover mm-hmm. of the liter of paint you would then go on to undercoat the door and you would put on a finished coat whether that would be a satin wood finish or a glass finish mm. so clean the door mask whatever's on the door clean the door wash the door dry the door mask everything off put on your primer it's best where you're buying your paint to finish the front door. They ask what primer is suitable and they'll sell you the suitable primer and finish your door. In between those coats, leave them dry. Don't recoat while the door is tacky. And the last thing is you should never really go to try and paint outside work, especially if you're using a satin wood or glass, unless it's 10 degrees or over. Okay. The paint won't cure. Right. So on a day like today, it's even though no-no. the day is dry, it's yeah. an absolute no-no because yeah. the paint won't dry. And I would say as an interior designer, add some window boxes or add some pots and plants, you know, in the spring. And the difference of painting your front door. Mm. Mm. It lifts everything, that I suppose. Make. Yeah. Can you change the colour of the door? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, for instance, you have a white front door and you want, what colour front door would I pick? A green front door. Mm. So green is the big thing. At the green moment, is the big thing. Yeah. The ones lovely greens mm. around, mm. Uh, and magenta, of course, is the colour of the year at the moment. So somebody might want a magenta door. But um, what you would be doing is you'd be buying the undercoat. You'd be priming your door first. You'd be buying the undercoat mixed t- to the undercoat that you should use for your finished coat. Do you mm. understand me? Mm. So then when you put on your finished coat, it wouldn't take a load of coats. So you'd have your primer, you'd have your undercoat mixed and you'd have your finished coat paint then, paint then to the colour that you want. Right, OK. Can you use spray paint on PVC? Mm. Oh, look at the face of her now. Look at the face she's making for it me. It won't spray properly. <laughs> I know. Do you know, I've often tried to spray flower pots and yeah, yeah. all these ideas that I get and it never works because it always runs on me. OK, OK. Yeah. So maybe if you had a spray gun and you were professional and knew what you were doing and the whole lot but any time I've ever gotten cans of paint to spray things it's never worked it's always ran right. now maybe I'm spraying too hard and I haven't got the patience <laughs> never never <laughs> the only thing is you have to get it right with PVC because I presume unlike timber you can't sort of send it all down and start again can you? No and you don't want to so the, the prep it was the same when yeah, I was talking about yeah. the t- paint and tiles last week the prep the drying time and especially with the outside door painting it when it's above 10 degrees you'll get a supersonic door if you follow those right. tips. Can you 
paint PVC windows. Yes, in, the exact so the same same the setup. exact same setup. No right. difference. And I know I was talking to one guy last year and he painted his front door, back door, his utility door, his two-storey house and all his windows and he took two weeks off work and he got it all done in two weeks. But an nearly killed him. Right. Never again. Yeah, I can imagine indeed. But it's the cheap way to change the look of your whole house if you can do it yourself or, of course, get in a painter. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, a cheap way to look at things, I mean, what about affordable interior design? I mean, you know, we're coming to spring now and people might think about stuff like that as well, Karen. And I suppose, again, it's just to take the tips I'm going to give you on board. Mm. And some of these are very common mistakes. And, you know, friend, we talk about that this time and time again. Research. Google. Mm. Look for inspiration. Download the photos. Mm. And if you're going to be doing a project yourself, know your own capabilities. Don't take on a project that's going to, that you're not capable of doing, that you're going to end up... Um, trying to get somebody to finish the job that you mm. hadn't the money in the first place to do the, you, if you understand yes, me you know do, so yeah. work within your budget and yeah. if and, you are going to do ability, a job and Karen, your ability yeah, and your ability because yeah. if you start off on on a on a job that's just you know way out of your realm and you end up that you need with say a plumber and an electrician and you might it. be able to do it yourself and the whole lot and then whatever yeah. so just do your revision and and Mm. If you're going to do a DIY job, make sure that you're capable of doing it. Mm. If not, you're going to have to hire a professional. And in the end, really, if you do need a professional, it's going to save your money. Yeah. And tell run. me about the mistakes that people make, Karen. What what, what are they? Uh, buying furniture that are too big for a room. Oh, God, I Any know. Any room. Know, we know this know, one off know, by heart. I do, yeah. Because um, it always looks smaller in the big showroom, doesn't it? You know what I'm, I'm seeing lately, and it's not a mistake that they're making, but someone will turn around to me and say... I think I'll only change the, the doors in the front of my kitchen. Mm. I won't bother redoing the whole kitchen. And then when they get in as far as the shop, they end up doing the whole kitchen. Mm. And then the floor has to come up and then the whole lot. So they started off with an idea that they were just going to change the doors in their kitchen, which is a great idea. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. But then once they got tied in at all, the job that was going to be 1500 it's up in 15000 But that's not so much a mistake either. But it's just, again, to think about what you're going to do when you're starting out. And if you do have a budget, stick to it. Stick to it, yeah. But you know yourself, when you paint the doors, all of a sudden the walls look tired and do. stuff. You know, of course they do. You know, and I think mm. the biggest thing this time of the year, and for listeners listening that I promised last time I was on that I was going to get rid of some clothes, I still didn't. But did I promised the next time I come in I'm going to try and have them done. Get rid of your clutter. Mm. especially if you haven't done a, clear, a serious clean out in a long time it can be daunting but mm. if you just started even with one set of drawers yeah, yeah. and get going and it makes you feel better it makes you feel better yeah. and you know if you're going to be and another really good tip this was one that really stuck out for me I'm kind of jumping the gun now a little bit but drawer units mm. so think outside the box when you're trying to do work on a budget so I know I did a job and I had very reasonable drawer units. They worked out at 85 euros each. No bells and whistles, no anything. Handleless drawer units, but it was a fine unit. Three drawers stacked. But we hadn't much room. The room actually was quite big, but between radiators and beds and mm. lockers and radiator covers and the whole lot, we hadn't an awful lot of room. Wall so space, was it? Was, yeah. Yeah. Well, ground space really mm. in the in for the set of drawers, mm. but I put one set of drawers on top of the other. So the yeah. one set that was this high, 
mm. ended up being this high. Right. So we got six drawers on top of one another and they fitted almost all their folded clothes and they needed very little hanging space in the room. So that was a great idea. That had worked out to 285. So 85, 160, 170. And we got massive space for that. So it's about, about putting your thinking cap on. What can I do in a budget? Not that we're looking for cheap items or mm. cheap things. And another great one is, is there items in a room that you're not using that you can move into another room mm-hmm. and use. Now that works really well if people have the same colour palette in their house. It's very easily move items of furniture from, you know, like chairs, what, chairs, chairs, tables, yeah. desks. If somebody wanted to change their work area from money, a bedroom down to the sitting room or the kitchen in the spring or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find uh, Tables, cha- small tables, chairs, furniture, small furniture, lamps, all that thing. It's all those items. It's very easy to move from one room to another if you want. Because some people get fed up very easily, mm-hmm. friend. Mm-hmm. And instead of buying what's in fashion and being stuck with it, if you buy neutral palettes in different things, you can move them around if you want to. Right. So you should think of the house holistically then, should you? Yes, if you, you should. If you, yeah. If okay. you can. Right. Yes, you should. Now, you might have children's rooms and they might want their own colours and whatever and so forth. And it depends on the aspect of the house because maybe in the wintertime you have a room that's very cold so you're going to move into a warmer room. Yes. And maybe in that room the summer, that ho- that room in the summertime is a room that you love to use and you're going to use it way more. Mm. So it's not about me saying this morning, oh, you should move all your furniture every month out of your house mm, and mm, around. Mm. But it depends on the weather, depends on the aspect, depends on the use and the time of year. Right, okay. If you were to do one thing this week where interior design is concerned, if you were to give one piece of advice, what would you say, Karen? I would say to people, declutter. Mm. Get rid of the clutter, get ready for the spring. Mm. And the other thing, one thing I'm going to do this week, I have a lot of green out my back. That sounds like a lot of green, I don't, but on my footpaths mm. and different areas. A lot, lot like moss. And yeah, kind of. Like, yeah. <laughs> not thick moss, but greeny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it always happens this time of year. So I have chloris, a gallon of chloris in my shed. And I dilute it down into um, into uh, a gallon bucket. Mm. And I'm going to take out my brush this week. And I'm going to just um, follow the directions and put that out. And I have an angel out in my garden. And I have a couple of other things that I really like that are gone green. So for me this week, because the weather is going for the good for the next few days, mm. I'm going to get my chloris and I'm going to get rid of the green because I'm watching it out from the kitchen window and I'm also going to get rid of the clothes that I promised I'd get rid of gotcha. the last time I was I'm here. going to do that this week as well. I'm going to get rid of all the clothes that I've stacked because I keep everything. Everything. You know. Anyway, there you go. If people want to talk to you, Karen, about interior design or whatever, how can they do that? I, they can contact me on 86 9009 and I'm on um, Facebook, Instagram and... Very good. Um, they can get me by email. And unlike well. Dermot Bannon, it won't cost an arm and a leg to speak to Karen, will it? Well, it's definitely costs nothing to talk to me. <laughs> Karen, lovely to see you. Thanks Thank very you. much indeed. All right, news and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Welcome back to uh, Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Now, as you know, we're with you every single weekday morning from 9 o'clock. And uh, this morning, our young friend, 12-year-old uh, Art Finnan lady, Cara Darmody, spoke to me about her new campaign for families struggling to secure services for um, family members with autism. Now, her latest project takes her to Leinster House, where she'll be reporting for us every single week. And here's just a little of what she had to say to me this morning, just after nine. It's going to be called my Campaign for Change, and I'm basically going to be doing it every Wednesday when I go up to Leinster House once a week. Will you have access to Leinster House, and will you have access to politicians there, Cara? Yeah, I'm going to have. I'm going to be talking to lots of politicians there. Whenever I see a politician there, I'm going to be walking up to them, having a conversation, and I'm going to be. It's going to be. Um, I'm going to be going in there to advocate for changes I've already mentioned. But Fran, I forgot to mention the best part. But the best part is, is that every week. I'll be reporting the stories from the doll each week on the on Ireland's number one radio station, <laughs> Tip FM, and Ireland's number one newspaper, The Nationalist. Well, we're delighted to, to have you, and I'm sure The Nationalist is delighted to have you as well, Cara. You will actually grade the ministers uh, as you would be graded yourself in an exam. Is that fair to say? Yes, I'm going, you know, yeah, I'm going to be grading them. And how it works is, is that I'm going to be, like, you know how, like, if you did a test when you were in primary or secondary school, and, like, if you did, like, really bad, like, teachers would grade you and, like, give you a grade or a mark. Well, I'm going to do that to the politicians, senators, TDs, ministers, and even the Taoiseach himself. And I'm going to grade them all the way from an A down to an S. And... Well, they only get the A, B or B if they deserve it, of course. Mm. But Fran, I'm mm. going to be handing out my very first grade right now. Everybody, Fran gets the massive grade <laughs> A+, plus because <laughs> no one can get it. <laughs> well, Cara, I'm delighted. It's the first A+, plus I ever got, I can tell you. Well, that's for absolute sure. That was young Cara Darmody speaking to me uh, just after 9 o'clock this morning, and we will catch up with her following her odyssey to Leinster House on this coming uh, Thursday. 1800-938-007 For every problem, there's a solution Dear Phil, on Tip Today with Phil Prendergast You know, I still get a kick out of that music after all this time I get a kick out of myself It's like some (laughs) sleazy nightclub from the 80s which I can remember Not that we'd know anything about sleazy nightclubs from the 1980s or or whatever All right, uh, we will launch straight in letter number one Hi Phil, my partner and I have been together for four years now but this year we've been forced to have a relationship long distance because my partner got a job overseas He only came home for Christmas and has just gone back. My concern is whether or not we can keep a long-distance relationship going. No doubt it has been tough for both of us, but we talk every day with uh, video chats and uh, almost texting. He recently got promoted, so is uh, now there for the foreseeable future. My friends are making me question whether we can sustain this relationship. I have thought about whether I should relocate to be with him, and he said he would love it. But I have a job here that I love and I'm near family and friends. I would have nothing if I went there. We are happy to keep going as we are and see what happens. But I wonder if I don't go now, 
will um, just eventually will it uh, spell the end of our relationship? What should we do? There's one for you now, Phil. Well, I think the most poignant line in this is, I would have nothing yeah. if I went there. Yeah. And I mean, she'd have him and her relationship would survive. Um, I would definitely think that, you know, a relationship that has stood the test of four years is certainly worth a further investment. And if she's working with public services, she can take leave of absence and go and see what she like. But I mean, if she, she wants to be with this fella um, and retain the relationship, she needs to go and be with him. Hmm. The fact that she has a job that she likes, she can find another job that she likes to be with the man that she loves. So I don't understand her. her so is thinking. this a, me- a measurement? Do you think of how much she's into him? If she says she'd have nothing there, if she went, I, I think it might have been thoughtlessly enough written yes. because it's very strange. She said, "My friends are making me question whether we can sustain the relationship because she seems to be stuck in a mindset which says that he's gone and now he's after getting a promotion in his job." He's after been home there together four years, so I'm assuming he's not gone there very long, and um, it's it's a it's very strange that she would say I would have nothing if she went there because she would have him and their relationship and she could build on that and get a job over there or get even some whatever skills that she might need to do a job over there. Mm. But it's an opportunity of a lifetime and she should actually go for it because. Staying at home and pining and, like, having a FaceTime conversation is all very well, Mm. but it's not the same as talking to somebody in person. It's not the same at all. So I would say that if she writes down a list of all the positives, um, of which there are a few, and if she writes down a list of all the negatives, of which there are a few, and she decides... Look, is he worth investing more than the four years she's already spent with them? The fact that she's written down, I would have nothing if I went there to me, is very strange. It may have been thoughtlessly written. Mm. But I do think it's a kind of a strange... I, I, would, I would think that the relationship might not last if she doesn't go. And if she does go, she can always come back. Yeah, it, 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 far be it for me to be woke, but I have to put it to you anyway. I mean, what about his responsibility where this relationship is? Should he consider coming home, for example? You see, that's, it's something that they need to work out. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, if he's in a very high paying job or a good job and he has an opportunity to work in another country, it's mm. never a negative thing to do that. Yes. And I do think as well that it is worth at some point going outside what would be a comfort zone. Now, for some people, a comfort zone can be actually moving out of the home house. It can be something as yeah. big as moving to another country or the other side of the world, like Australia or something the other flip side of the earth. But, I mean, it's it's worth it for this lady to actually give it a chance and go and take a chance on it. If she can take leave of absence, she has the safety net of a job coming back. But if she has skills that has her in a good job here and her family uh, are, are what's important, the fact that she's asking a question makes me think that perhaps she might not be as committed mm. now to him as she was. So I do think she needs to write the fars and against the pros and cons of this relationship yeah. for herself and it make a decision It always concerns me as well, Phil, when somebody takes a lot of note of family and friends think 
if you know what I mean. So, yeah, but you, know. you see, friends and family change all the time as well, yeah. friend. There's, there's a different dynamic. Well, you, you can have a very sort of a cosy relationship where, oh, I do this with my mum on a Tuesday or my dad on a Wednesday, or you do this or you go there or your friends and they're very important and all the rest of it. They'll still be important when mm. she comes home on her holidays. The same as her partner just came home on a holiday yes. and they had a great time. I just find... Um, he came home for Christmas and he's just gone back and her concern is whether or not we can keep the long distance relationship going it's very the, the ball is in her court entirely and go for it I suppose go for it yeah. absolutely yeah. Um, letter number two dear Phil I'm part of a large company and went uh, for our work Christmas party the week before Christmas I was really excited about it in hindsight probably drank too much a familiar tale I didn't remember much the next day until I got some texts from friends at work who told me I was the life and soul of the party I asked how and they told me that I shifted the the accountant and even flashed my line manager. I was so mortified. I ended up taking that uh, last week off sick and was hoping that everybody would have forgotten by the time we went back after Christmas. Unfortunately, they haven't. There was a video doing the rounds of my kiss with the accountant, which everybody had a great laugh about. And the flashing incident was, of course, the talk of the place. One of the older female colleagues even gave out to me for my behaviour and said I needed to mind myself drinking and behaving like that. (laughs) I don't know what to do. Each day I go in hoping it will have died out, but uh, somebody will make a comment and it starts all over again. I'm wondering if it's better off just to leave my job. I will always be known as the tramp at the Christmas party. (sighs) Well, I I, I have to say I am smiling at the good of it because of the terminology. She she shifted the accountant. If there's any younger people, they won't have one clue what shifting the accountant accountant means and flashing something. They may not know what that means either. So it does seem it's from an era of somebody that maybe should have had more sense. But look... Things happen at Christmas parties. You'd have, a, you'd often hear stories of people saying, "I made a show of myself." Mm. This, she said, "I probably drank too much." She definitely drank too much. She was no probable about it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, she said she didn't remember, but her friends texted her and said, "Listen, you were just a great crack last night." She should focus on the fact that. The worst thing she did was kiss the accountant and, yes. um, you know, that she flashed somebody. Now, I mean, I can understand maybe the owl one inside. <laughs> They'd be probably saying, you know, the one giving the, the elder lemon coming down here, bitter as gall, <laughs> giving out to me about flashing and all. And I suppose if you've got it flaunted to an extent. Yeah. But look, people would have regrets about certain behaviours and particularly when it seemed to be a source of great mirth. Yes. It's a big company. She needs to stop focusing so much on it because do you know what? It was last Christmas and it's so gone. Mm. It's so over. And she needs to move on. She needs to stop worrying about it. Someone might make a comment, but do you know what? She'll have to suck it up. She went there, had a ball, shifted your man, did the flashing. It's done. It's I, over. I hated the last line though. She said, I'll always be known as the tramp. She won't be known or that's rubbish. That's, that's, that's rubbish. She will yeah. not be known as the tramp. Yeah. She's feeling very bad because she kind of let herself down. Mm. And I suppose that's another thing. If you're going to go to these parties, certainly early drinking is not advisable. Having something to eat before you go is advisable. And I mean, you're not asking anyone to be as dry as 
I know. A bone, yeah. But like, she definitely needs to get over that. She's not going to be known as a tramp. She's, you know what? She needs to really think, I suppose, about what message it gives out. But it seems like as if she had a great crack. A lot of her friends were supportive, saying, "You know, you were the life and soul of the party. You even did this." You know. So I mean, she I probably was great crack. Probably has a great personality. You know, those bloody she, mobile phones videoing everything. Well, you see, I don't agree with any videos yeah. of anything, and I think it's very, very reprehensible. And it's particularly if it's put on social media, mm. and I don't know whether it was or not in this case but frequently you would be very concerned for people if they seem to be off their head on whatever yes. substance they're off their head whether it be alcohol or other stuff uh, you need to be very careful what you do to vulnerable people because they are vulnerable in that if they're not in control of themselves so I think it's important as well that her friends perhaps should have been a bit more supportive mm. and said listen rein it in a little bit now you're gone very flamboyant <laughs> You know, and now it doesn't say that she. Do you know I love what I mean? Rain it in now. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, you just would. But of course, they were actually not in the same condition, but they were they were sober enough to be taking pictures. And but but doesn't it beg the question though? Should should work companies should they say no mobile phones, no no videoing at, at a work do? Well, you Wouldn't see, I don't know. Work? I don't know if they can do that, but I certainly would think it's prudent if you're going to have an event and it's the Christmas party and people there is a hype about Christmas yes. party. There is I I know now we're in the depths of January in the coldest, coldest time. But like it's a party. And people are supposed to kind of chill out Let and relax. Their hair down, but yeah. you do have to remember you're working with bosses, managers, you're working with influential people, you're working with people that are on a ladder above you and below you, yes. and there are people who are always going to take you down. It sounds like she has a great personality. I think she needs to move on from it and say, lads, shut up, I'm bored already. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's let's, over. Let's, it's let's, done. let's uh, it's you know. Done. Very good. Our final letter today then, Phil. My son is 16 years old and has suffered from chronic asthma all of his life. I was worried sick about him during COVID, so we were very strict with uh, following the rules and guidelines, and I made sure he got his vaccines when they were available. I've spoken to him this week about booking in for the latest booster jab, and he said he didn't want to do it, and was making the decision that he didn't want it, and he felt he had enough vaccines. I asked him if he was aware of the risks of not taking it, and he said he was, but it was his decision to make. Now, we had a big row over it, where I got upset and said that he was being selfish after everything I did to protect him from COVID. He said I was smothering him and to leave him alone. We have been at a standoff since. How can I convince him that he needs to take this for his own good? Now, I really feel for this this parent, because it is a dilemma, isn't it? It is a dilemma, but in fact, her child is a child... In the eyes of the At law, 16, yeah. he's not—he's not yet, a, you know, a standalone uh, person. He does need parental cons- consent, for instance, but he also needs to sort of consider his condition. And I don't think he's armed with enough information to be seeing mm. the the outcome of somebody that has an underlying chronic yeah. asthma. And you as know. a nurse, uh, does the parent have have a point here? I think it's a moment. She has. Part, I think. Yeah. I think her problem was where she got upset and said he was being selfish after everything she did to protect yes. him from COVID. He did a lot himself to protect him from COVID as well because mm. he would be aware that with chronic asthma, it's it's very difficult 
because he knows what it is like. And of course, with COVID, it did have a very serious effect on people's ability to breathe and breathe properly mm. and all the rest of it. So he's 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 taken a decision, but I don't think he has taken the full facts. The best thing she could do would be to make her GP aware that and his GP aware, hopefully the same person, mm. um, aware of her son's views before she goes to see the GP. Yes. And then to leave it in the hands of the experts in terms of the reasons why he should possibly be considered to be a very strong possibility of, of getting relapses or a worsening of his chronic asthma. Uh, a young fella, by general nature, they don't want to be in any way disabled mm. from normal life and you can live very, very well with the treatment and the management of chronic asthma. And whether it's nebulizers or whether it's it's medication or ventilation, whatever it might be, or even, um, you know, the the, uh, the puffers, whatever it would be, would keep his condition under wraps. He is much more vulnerable to getting, getting things. And I think there has been a general, such an easing off of masks and that. I, I was on holidays recently and I mean, there was very few people on the plane wearing masks. Yeah. And, and I was in my proper mask because I just thought, do you know what? It's a plane, it's recycled air. So, I mean, he's 16. He's going to be in the group in the classrooms. He's going to be in big classrooms. He's possibly going to be exposed to things that are going to be more detrimental to him than someone who is a well child. Right. And I'm not saying he's not well, mm. but, but he, he has, has a condition, a condition yeah. that does merit additional care. So I think she has to handle it with a bit of delicacy. Mm. I think she has to realise that she's the parent and I hope there's another parent there as well that perhaps it could be, and I don't know if there's any siblings, but it could be something that they might have a family council about and they should listen to his reasoning mm. and then they should say the fars and then the against. Mm. In fairness see, though, a 16-year-old is bombarded, I'm sure, on social media as well with all sorts of opinions about, they are, but about they vaccination. Are, they are, yeah. and they also have this air of bravado where it's, mm. you know, and it, mm. he's, he's full of testosterone now yes. and lip. I'm untouchable. And it's just, yeah, absolutely, yeah. nothing yeah. going to happen to me. But, I mean, if if you've ever nursed a child and they're inside even in, in those little tents, it's it's horrendous to see their see struggles struggling to for breath. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, he, he does need to take care but perhaps the mother's she needs to be softer towards him and she needs to maybe do, uh, she needs to dilute herself is what I'm saying there mm. as well and maybe get the family involved and just say the condition that you have really isn't um, it's, it's, I don't think you should put yourself at additional risk mm. of getting um, something like COVID and especially the newer strains there's, there's, there's ever more alphabetical yeah, distortions sure, yeah. to every condition that's coming now in relation to COVID. So I, I think she needs um, I think she needs to maybe just do it with more than just herself mm. because at the moment they have a standoff. And yes. He's a certain, his independence and his I'm growing up and I'm, and I'm my own boss and I own me. And, and I'm again, not gonna... his word uh, smothering him. You know, exactly. So, so and, well, yeah. smothered is yeah. also because he's smothered probably with his condition. Yes, of course. So he's smothering for him means that he can't breathe yeah. properly. Yeah. So it's it's actually it's an interesting use of his word. Yeah. It's an interesting fact that he said it, and he probably just feels overminded and a bit precious, mm. but mm. he doesn't want to be because he's he's he's. He wants to be the boy that doesn't need all this yes, stuff, know. you know. know. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's hard. I understand that. I think, but he's not. 
he's not in a position to be able to take a decision like this because it will have such an adverse effect if he should contract it. It's interesting you talk you talk about the masks. Uh, there was there, was it Duncan Smith last week was trying to insist uh, on, on a mandatory mask wearing um, situation. You do you think from a personal point of view you should wear your mask, particularly if you have an, an underlying condition? I think it's safer for yourself to yeah. do that. Being honest with you, I, I mean, it, you have to be you have to be mindful. Like if you if you're working with people that are vulnerable or yes. they have an underlying condition, you certainly should protect them from you giving them something. But you also need to protect yourself from contracting something for somebody that's obviously coughing, and obviously, and they say, "Oh no, no, no! It's not COVID. It's the flu or it's a chest infection." We all had that over Christmas, and it wasn't that mm. it wasn't COVID. And it's almost like a badge of honor. Said, "Well, but it's not COVID." Mm. Well, we weren't well with it. Like it was just very sick with de- it in some de- cases. Yeah, yeah. debilitating. Yeah. So I do think that people need to have a grain of sense. If you are not feeling well and you have the snots and the snuffles cover up your snout. Don't be bringing it out to the people. And yeah. don't be especially... Wh- whether it's COVID or not. I mean, whether it's COVID. It's just, it's just good yeah. manners now nearly. It's good etiquette, it you is, know. Yeah. Phil, it's always great to see you. Thanks very much indeed. And by the way, if you have a problem for our Phil, well, it's very simple. All you have to do is put it together and you can email it uh, to us. It's tipfm at tipfm.com isn't it? Yeah. T- sorry, I beg your pardon. It's tiptoday at tipfm.com Alright, we'll take a break. Talk to you in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie the text on WhatsApp is 083-311-3311 Now earlier on this morning we heard uh, several tributes indeed to uh, the late Carrie Atchison uh, former South Tipperary TD former Mayor of Clonmel and so much more. Uh, Councillor Maureen McGrath joins me now. Maureen, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran, and to all the listeners. Uh, great to talk to you today, Maureen. You're a, a young woman in politics, but you, you knew Carrie very well, and uh, was she helpful to you, Maureen? I did. I knew Carrie since since a very young age. I know Matty was on before me this yeah. morning and, you know, explained the family connections we had between Carrie. She was a great friend of my grandmother, Mary, Matty, of course, through the years. My grandfather, James, as well, who, who I never knew. And the wider McGrath family, she was she was such a special lady. And from such a young age, she was somebody who was just endearing. You know, she's an inspiration in so many ways because of her her class, her commitment to her many roles and her, um, her, her just her whole personality was, mm-hmm. you know, all-consuming all, all to anybody that met her. She was so encouraging and engaging and yeah, I, I did. I, I, you know, before and, you know, after my election, Carrie always always on the end of the phone to offer some some advice and encouragement. Ma- Matty alluded to a story uh, about you and her when you were very young, Maureen. He, he? Yeah, I, he he loves to tell tell the story. I don't like it as much, but um, like I said, she was a, a close friend of my granny, and she attended my my grandmother's wake at my auntie Bridget's house. And and a busy wake like any like many Irish wakes. Mm. We were giving teas and coffees and whatnot afterwards. And I got the role, um, I suppose, to to make sure that any 
dignitaries or politicians who have travelled from afar would be looked after, you know, mm. um, because I would have known some of them or recognised more of them, you know. And and so when Carrie came in, it was most important that, you know, she'd been in that house so many times to celebrate my granny's birthday, but she was there now for her funeral. And I brought her over a cup of tea, but she wasn't long about telling me that uh, she only drinks from her from her china her china cup, and the mug that I gave to her had to be brought back. So <laughs> I went back with my t- with my tail between my legs, but you know she she was such a lady, and yes. she had you know her just the way about her her manner was was just phenomenal, you know. And I remember other times, you know, um, people have alluded to her involvement with the old IRA church mm-hmm. brigade. And I remember meeting her at, at many commemorations over the years as a child. And another time, you know, I I made reference to her many hats because every time I seen her, she had a different hat on, you know. And as a young girl, I suppose I was just um, enthralled by this. Yeah, she had great I, style, Maureen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But, but, she, but I remember saying it to Dad and he said, yeah, she's a hat for every day of the year. And I've no doubt she does because looking at the photos I have of her over the years, I've never seen her in the same hat twice, you know. So her style was just impeccable, you know, her class mm. and then her commitment to, to, you know, to her role. But when, when we spoke recently, we were talking about, you know, some of the difficulties of being a, a young woman in, in, in politics now. But back in her day, very often, Maureen, I mean, she was the only woman on a committee or what, and she was on so many committees and stuff. Um, she was remarkable, wasn't she? Absolutely, and no bother to her. You know, see, and that's what I remember after my election, she said to me, you know, go on into the council now and you're, you're there as much as anybody else. Yeah. Make sure now you... You, you sit up and you listen, but you're not afraid to talk to, you know, and, and I'd always remember that from her, you know, because any time, you know, even after that, that I've met her, you know, she'd she'd remark on something, um, be it I, I was talking to her about, you know, different issues, and, and, and she'd, she'd, she'd be so on the ball and so in tune always. You know, she was just remarkable. You yes. know, I last met her at the Ploughing Championships, and look, they don't have to go over her, her role with the National Ploughing Championships. Mm. But goodness, if you went to the Ploughing and you didn't call into her, you know, you'd be in trouble. So I was I was sure to call into her when she was back and when the Ploughing was back. How, how did she manage to juggle everything? You know, being a mum, being a businesswoman, being a politician, being involved in so many, you know, Clonmel's show, the, the shipping board. How did she manage to juggle it all, I wonder, Maureen? I know, and and it is you know for for any um, women, particularly in politics, you know we we, we do hear it now. It's 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 a it's a hard role, it's a challenging role, but but no bother to her, you know. And and that was long before there was any, I suppose, of the additional supports that people now look for, you know. So she she was just committed. She was a community person. She was a family person, and like. You know, it wasn't that one thing fell behind because I know when I met her last, she she spoke about how proud she was of Brian and her grandkids. Mm. You know, telling me where they what they were all up to, and she was just on the ball. So I don't know. She she was admirable, and you know, oftentimes she'd she'd ring the constituency office in Clonmel, and we never had to ask who it was at the end of the phone mm. because her voice was something that you always recognise. You know, and. She just, we loved having her on the end of the phone too and I'm sure all the staff in the office would, would agree because she'd always be inquiring about somebody or just checking in and see how things are and she just was a fantastic lady and when we heard yesterday that she wasn't doing well, we, we lit a candle for her because we have so many fond memories of her, you know, um, over the years mm-hmm. but during different campaigns or just different meetings, you know, she was just a fantastic woman, yeah. you know, her fashion and... and 
you know, the style again, go back to the style. I remember the last time I met her, she, she remarked my nails, but like, you know, I was only learning from the best. You know, I had my nails done, but she, you know, had all of the style, all of the fashion from such a young age. She was just brilliant, you That's know. Great. And, and was she, did she always come across as young at heart? Because one of the things that Matty said to me was that he was at her, her 80th and she didn't almost want to acknowledge. <laughs> you know, oh, she, she felt so young inside. And For sure, but it, but it came on all the time. You know, there was always a bit of joking with her, you know, and... Sometimes, you know, behind the joke was was a really important point as well. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, it was her way of, of making a point or, or or making a statement. But she did, and, and she was so in tune and, and the banter, you know. And when I met her last, I was with a friend of mine, and afterwards, you know, my friend said, goodness, she's just unreal. You know, the style of her and her nails, yes. and she was telling me who she goes to to get her nails done. And, you know, she was like somebody my own age the way we were chatting away. Um, and did she and always was, keep up to speed on what was happening in politics and the like, Maureen? She did. She yeah. did. And, and I, like, up till, till recently, you know, she, she'd always be ringing and offer a word of advice and encouragement. And, like, just last week at home, um, I seen I seen a card from her, you know, at Christmas. And straight away, without reading that the end of the card, you know who it was because her penmanship was just exquisite. You know, you could see on an envelope before any letters would be open oh there's 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 letter there from Carrie be it before the playing championships or ahead of the Conmel show or just like she shared a birthday with Matty as, as yeah. she said earlier anything and she was so engaged with so many people and I think that's so remarkable to listen to earlier today and see different comments online you know she wasn't just like that with her close family and friends she had so many people across the country you know that had that relationship with her. Yeah, and I was looking on, online at some of that. I mean, you know, it's, it's a much over, uh, overused term, you know, the tributes come pouring in, but they're literally pouring in from all over the country and all sorts of areas uh, as well, you know? Absolutely, but it kind of goes back to her role in the playing championships and mm. the way she treated people there, because many times that I would have called into her and they'd be one or two kids in, in, the, in the office with her there at the playing and she treat them like you know, the, the best kids, you know, or her own kids. Like, yes. You know, they, they, you know and, and, and in such a situation that they, they had been lost or, or, or got separated from their families. But people remember that kindness. And, and you know, she, she just engaged with so many people in so many different ways through her different roles in the community on a national and local level over the years. I really don't think we'll see anybody like her, you know. And she just... She just is fantastic mm. and so many fun memories of her at the plowing or at her house in Washington Lodge and well, different things over the years. We'll, we'll truly miss her, well, you know, and I, I just want to say she, she's an inspiration and a trailblazer. She's just fantastic. Well, it's That's a lovely tribute, it. Maureen, and we were delighted to have you on today. Thank you so much for thank, coming on with you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 That's Councillor Maureen McGrath speaking to us this morning about the late Carrie Atchison. Uh, one of the uh, letters to uh, Phil was from a lady who went out for the Christmas party and sort of, you know, overdid it just a little bit, shifted the accountant, that's her own words, and even flashed the line manager as well. And, of course, somebody was kind enough to be there with a camera phone as well to make sure it was on on video. And now she's mortified, as she said uh, herself. But one of her listeners was on to say, Fran, if she drank too much at the party and it was just a once-off, so be it. Laugh it off and get over it. But it's an opportunity to take a good look at herself and if she has a tendency to drink too much when she uh, socialises, then she should contemplate uh, if she has a drinking po- problem, possibly. But behaviour 
where she is being flirty and revealing herself in a sexual way is putting herself in a position where she is vulnerable and might be taken advantage of, says one of our listeners on 083-311-3311. Now, one of the other listeners... Um, who got in touch with us with a problem as well, spoke about a 16-year-old son uh, suffering from chronic asthma all of his life and uh, the moment's worried sick because he is refusing to take another jab, a booster jab or whatever. Well, again, a listener, uh, several uh, in on that, just to bring you one, it says, if he doesn't want to take the vaccine, ask him to be careful and wear a mask. It's in his hands at 16. I can completely understand why he doesn't want to take the vaccine. I too was sick from it and it knocked me out for months. I'm not anti-vax, but I think if they can't create a vaccine for the likes of cancer, and they've been working on this for years. How can the vaccine be safe in a matter of months? Now, it's not my job to speak up for them, but they will tell you that the vaccination was based on a platform already created for SARS back in the early noughties. That's my understanding of it. So they didn't start from fresh. Now, that's what they would tell you. You can make what you will of that. 1800-938-007. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Now, at the very top of the programme, we heard from James in Thomastown, and he was speaking about his son, who was 11 years old, and needs braces and needs to be looked after by an orthodontist. And um, James went on to tell me that the current waiting list is six years, can you believe? Now, the guidelines from the HSE is that it's best to get the braces sorted uh, between the ages of 12 and 13. But seemingly, and again, James telling me that it would cost 5000 to get them done because of the HSE ineptitude. Now, as usual, we always have learned listeners out there with some advice. David was on to us from Thurlis, and he says, will you please tell James that he can bring his child up to the north to get braces done on the cross-border treatment fund? We did it with our child. We got braces done for two and a half thousand and we got a two and a half, two thousand one hundred of that back through the fund. Excellent work done up there in Newry at Zen Orthodontics. 100% recommended, says David in Thurles. So there's some pretty good advice for James. I hope that works out. Now, following my chat last week with uh, the wonderful Joe Noble speaking to us about paranormal events and paranormal experiences. We received a few more stories over the weekend and Luke sent us in this uh, WhatsApp voice note. I love this. This is Luke here in Kerala. Now I just had a listen to the paranormal chats. I had a funny one. Many, many years ago there was a guy in, in Anacotti in Limerick in a pub and he was really just to leave the pub every night at 5 to 11, exactly 5 to 11 after his few drinks. And some of the guys in the pub asked him, why did he leave at exactly 5 to 11? He said, I say goodnight to my friend, the ghost on the pier in the haunted house up on the hill. So the boys got a bit funny, I will take the piss out of this guy. So they actually arranged to dress up in a sheet and one of them went up on the hill and sat on the, on the pier in the haunted house. And your man came up at 11 o'clock normally and next to him, he turned around over and he said, goodnight to both of you. 
So this guy, he scuttled back to the pub as quickly as he could, and that man died and took that to his grave, so nobody knew, ever knew whether there was a ghost there or not. Todd Fran might just like to hear it. Well, Fran, Cheers. Fran definitely liked to, to hear that. Luke, uh, thank you so much for that. By the way, if you want to share a, a voice note uh, with us, you can do that at any point at all uh, on uh, 083 311 to our WhatsApp account. Now, last week we were speaking as well about the cost of drink and the increases in prices, and Brian joins me now. Brian, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. You think we're getting ripped off, Brian? Uh, big time. Big time ripped off here in Ireland. Like, I was over in Malta there last November, and I got talking to a local publican over there, just as you would on holidays, mm. and just noticed the, the price difference in the beer. And I just asked him, because I seen a Guinness sign, I asked him, do they actually have proper draft Guinness? He says, we do. Import straight from Ireland, he said. And the price, price of the pint over there was three fifty, three euros 50 cent. Even though they imported it? And I said, he asked me how much was it over in Ireland. I think at the time it was 5.10. Yeah. And he said, how come... You produce it in Ireland, you make it in Ireland, and it's 5.10 in Ireland. And you can ship it halfway around the world. We pay our import duties, our government tax, the usual, over here, and we can sell it over the counter for 3.50. Nearly half the price you can sell it in Ireland. Well, when I knew you were coming on, I asked Ali to have a look at this for me, uh, Brian. And, you know, alcohol is subject to a standard rate of VAT, and it's currently 23%. Yes, so there's 23% VAT on your pint. Now, if it is 510, yeah. even though it's going up from the 1st of February again, uh, that's an enormous amount of money, isn't it? Yeah, and like, I mean, I actually, when I was going up to Dublin Airport at the time, I just looked at the fuel signs. In Dublin at the time, it was a five, uh, 205 or 206 or something like that for a litre of diesel. Mm. And when I got over to the far side, it was 119. In Malta? Now, in Malta. Wow. And as the guy in Malta said to me, he said, we buy our fuel the exact same place as Ireland buys it. We pay the same amount of euro per litre as Ireland buys it. And we can sell it for 119 here and just two or whatever, 204 in Ireland. Yeah, and, and, and what do you, do you think it's just rip off Ireland? Is that it, it Brian? Completely, or? completely rip off. They're blaming everything on the war in Ukraine and all of that, but it's just, it's just pure greed. Yeah. How's no greed? Because when, when the diesel got to the price that you're, you're talking about there, of course it meant more money in the government coffers, didn't it? Like even Martin Brown even said it, I think it was a 200 and something billion per day in tax alone yeah. on the fuel. Yeah, and everybody's strugg- struggling, struggling badly yeah. at the time to put oh, diesel on the Martin refused point blank to reduce the, the, for the living, the, the help of living alone thing, whatever it is they call it. Mm-hmm. And Martin Brown are a Martin Brown announces 200-something billion per day tax alone, which is, of course, going to reduce. What do, you, what do you think can be done? About, are we too quiet, Brian? Is that it? Extreme, extremely quiet. Like he, The same guy I was talking to now turned around and told me, like, Prime, like, I don't have to call him over there, Prime Minister or whatever over there. Mm. Like, he said that <clears throat> they were running riot with their expenses and their wages, the whole that, same as they're doing here. Mm. And he said, the people stood up and said, no, enough is enough. We're not allowing you to do this anymore. They curtailed their Prime Minister back to 50000 a year, plus 10000 expenses. Wow. Once he goes over to 10000 he pays it off his own back. That's and that's the way they have a curtail, and that should be done here. And and do you think that, God almighty, they, there's no way they're going to go, go for that because it would be Turkey's voting for Christmas. Oh, that's right, no, but I mean... 
I know, but see, things are way cheaper over there in Malta because, see, they pay very little, little tax. Mm. Less can be more in the latter ways. Like, Irish government for years have this idea of tax the hell out of the country, we get more money moving. If you actually do it the opposite way, reduce the tax, we get more money floating on the country twice a week. Yeah. It's... If you put the money back into the people's pocket, people will use it and spend it. Money will move. But if you keep taking it out of their pocket, they don't have it to spend it. It's right. common sense, but common sense and Irish government are two different things. So you have to stimulate uh, an economy, yeah. is that it? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, what, what, and we we had a caller, um, I can't remember, was it two weeks ago? And they made a very interesting point, though, and I'd love your view on this. They said all this talk and whinging about not having money, and still the airports are full with people heading off for Christmas and heading off for New Year, and you know. They are, but you must remember, too, a lot of them are buying their tickets online at a cheap rate. Right. Six or eight months ago. Right, so, okay. So they're not, they're not finding hundreds of euro now to... Yeah. Like, most of the airlines are doing these promotions this time of the year, say off peak season and all that. Yeah. And a lot of them are actually buying the tickets maybe six months ago, eight months ago, whatever. Enough fee. Yeah. Um what what did you make of the changeover then between Mihol Martin on to, to, to Leo and uh you know it's a, laugh. it's a pure laugh. Do you think? But the, the Irish government the Irish country is the laugh of the world at the moment, I think. Of what's going on. It's a pure joke. It's what's going on with the Irish government. Like one, one is bad, the other is worse. The class of which is which. Yeah. So you think there there won't be any change as far as you're concerned? It's steady the as only, she goes. The only change there is going to be more money into their back pocket because they're going to get an extra pension. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Like they get a pension the day they walk into the job. We get a pension when we retire and we're mean system. They get the pension the very day they start the job. And and do you think is, is that the general thinking out there, Brian? I mean, among people you'll be chatting well, it, to, it, it's fact. It, it, they get their pension the day they start the job. Yeah, they get a ministerial pension first the week's wage, the first week they win the job. All right, Brian. Well, good to talk to you today, and uh, <laughs> enjoy your expensive pint next time you're you're, you're out. <laughs> Look after yourself, Brian. Go real market. Bye bye to you now. That's uh, Brian speaking to us uh, about the price of uh, drinks. Now, motorists are being urged to take their time after temperatures plunged around the country overnight. I see stretches and patches of freezing fog made driving conditions rather difficult this morning. When I set out this morning from Fair Anacarty, it was uh, minus three point five. Can you believe? Well, Carl Nolan of Ireland's Weather Channel joins me now. Cahill, good morning to you. Uh, very good morning. And good to talk to you today. How long can we expect this current cold spell to last, Cahill? I suppose the current cold spell is going to last up until around about Thursday evening. At that point, we probably see slightly milder temperatures, at least for a little while. But between now and then, we certainly are likely to experience some pretty cold conditions. As you said, nighttime values really dropping down quite low, as low as minus 6, minus 7 degrees in some parts over the next couple of nights. And accompanied by that, there is a risk, let's say, especially tonight and as we go for a time tomorrow, of some wintry showers as well in the area. Where is this cold spell coming from? I suppose the reason that we're having this cold spell at the moment is we're experiencing a bit of a dip, let's say, in the jet stream. And essentially what's happened is we find ourselves in that colder side of the jet stream. The jet stream at the moment lies to the southwest of the country. We're in the northeast, which is a little bit colder. We're feeding down some of that Arctic air, which at this time of the year is obviously particularly cold. And with that, we have that risk of wintry showers and very low temperatures overnight. Yeah, because it's interesting because other than this, uh, it's been rather, rather warm, hasn't it? It's been rather mild. 
Yeah, as I suppose we've had one particular cold spell so far this winter and we obviously saw temperatures down as low as minus 8, minus 9 degrees in some parts. But certainly overall it would have been a pretty mild winter today and I don't think many parts of the region or certainly many parts of the Midlands in particular where, where I would have come from we've hardly seen any snow at all this winter so far. So it kind of has caught some of us, I suppose, off guard. In saying that, January, this time of the year, we still have one month of meteorological winter to come as well. It's February, so... It's not beyond the possibility that you could have, let's say, a, a winter where the second half is colder, let's say, than the start. The start would have been particularly mild if we cast our minds back. Even into November, we had temperatures up into 17 degrees, 18 degrees in some parts of the country, which was truly exceptional. So to have these cold spells, I suppose, is not too unusual in that sense either. So is it going to get as cold tonight as last night and, and for tomorrow night as well? I think tonight probably won't be as cold as last night. The reason behind that is we're likely to have stronger winds. That'll keep the temperatures up that little bit. And with that, there is the risk of some wintry showers. So where we see those showers, where we see cloudier conditions, it'll obviously prevent those temperatures from dropping back that little bit. Now, as we go into tomorrow night, it's likely to be a case that we see the return of those very cold temperatures down as low as minus 6, minus 7 degrees. And in one or two locations, maybe a little bit lower again, especially if we see a little bit of, of covering of snow in some parts. Right. And specifically for Tipperary, might we see some snow, do you think, Cahill? I think there is a risk, let's say, especially so across the northern half of the county. So with a northwesterly wind, it always is going to be those more northern, more northwestern areas that see the highest risk of snow. And that applies then, I suppose, when you're when you're looking at the risk for county Tipperary as well. So maybe parts of North Tip in particular are likely to see the highest chance of some snow. Not a huge quantity, but enough to cause a covering. All right, Cahill and Nolan of Ireland's Weather Channel. Thanks, Cahill. Thank you and good morning to you. That's uh, the latest on uh, the weather. Now it's vitally important that we speak about this. It is so important that we speak about the fact that Love Island is back and Emma is with me. How are you, Emma? I'm good, Fran. How are you? I didn't even know that Love Island was back, but when was it back last night, was it? Um, Yeah, it kicked off last night. I didn't even realise that myself because... I know we were keeping tabs on it last summer and mm. then we kind of zoned in and zoned out or whatever. But yeah, it was back last night in South Africa. Right. A fabulous villa. Now, I'm not, you know me, I'm not one to be jumping on the Love Island bandwagon, but I said, right, I'll give it an hour and I'll watch it. Right. So all new contestants and glamorous and done up and the boys, as <laughs> she know yourself, they've all got the teeth done, they've got the tan on, everything. So I was like, right, I'll sit down and I'll watch it for a bit of crack. So uh, Maya Jama has replaced Laura Whitmore. For the as presenter. the presenter, yeah, is that yeah. it? Yeah. She is fabulous. Is she? Oh, wow, yeah. Mm. I was looking at her. She wore this stunning summery green dress and she was just, she was very good with the contestants, chatting away. Do you know, they all kind of were a bit relaxed then after meeting her, but sure, the poor fellas, like, they were all stepping forward for all the girls and, do you know, the girls were coming in all glamorous and they were all in love with them, but a few do, couples up and stuff last night as well. Is it always the same, though? I mean, it's the same banter, it it's is. the same sort of, you know... It is, and I think it's just, it's the same kind of reality TV show over and over again. There's the drama, there's the sauciness, the sexiness, mm. and... You know, the memes and the laughter and all that kind of stuff. But and I mean, already do you see somebody emerging or, or, or a group emerging as the stars of it? Do you see that already? I do. I think her name was Tanielle was her name. Um, I, I can remember her. She was. She just seemed like she'd be like a Maura Higgins. Mm. Do you know that kind of way? Yes, she yeah, went in yeah. and stole one of the girls' 
uh, fellas or whatever. So I was like, hmm, I was like, she's going to be stirring up something there now. So we'll keep an eye on it anyway and we'll do an update next week and right. we'll see where we're at. You're, so you, you have to watch yes, it. Yes, you're making yes. me watch this as well, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you tell me that my friend Joe Noble was <laughs> yes, having a look at this? Yes, I saw that on Facebook. So Joe, if you're listening, we're going to have to keep tabs with you and I know Connor Reedy will probably be watching as well. <laughs> so if you're listening, we want yeah. a detailed report and opinion. Yeah, it'll be interesting. All right. It, it does it reflect current fashion with what you see as well, does it? It does. I've noticed like the girls that have come in, they're all kind of wearing the summery kind of outfits that okay. you'd see online on Instagram and on all the fashion websites. Sure, they're going to have a field day because they're going to have models now after all this and all the influencer crack will start up again. So, I mean, it's all money making and marketing, isn't it? Isn't it? But that's what it's... It, it is. It's, it is. It's false. It's completely yeah. false. But I mean, look, if you, you either love it or you hate it, and we'll probably get a bit of slack now next yeah, week. Yeah, but, but the, pri- the prize is pretty much irrelevant, really, at the end of the day, isn't it? The prize money and stuff. It, yeah, it's, it's all... I, it, look, it is for the money. They want... It's 50k, is it, or something yeah, like but, that? Yeah, but you know what I mean? By comparison with them becoming stars or influencers, or so I mean, that's the real thing. That's really what... Exactly. I mean, even if they're not going to win they're still going to get all their deals with all these big fashion brands and collabs and all those kind of things with all the big franchises and companies. So, I mean, either way, if you don't win the cash, you're still going to be splashed all over social media. So you're going to have your fame regardless. Right, okay. I still think Johnny Luby with the Long Johns will be just perfect for it. <laughs> and Bonnie Hayes, cutting turf. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I was great. That was oh, brilliant. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was brilliant. Just like... Joe. What, what did he say? If that lad was put out um, if, foot and turf, yeah, foot and turf how... or something. You, sure, those fellas wouldn't even break a nail, I'd say. They're so glamorous. I love it. All right, so I'm being made. Have a look at this and we'll see what happens. And maybe Joe Noel will uh, speak to us about it as well. Emma, thanks very much indeed. Uh, that's it for me. Emma produced. Uh, Ali looks after our content. Stephen is on the way to take us by the hand back down memory lane. I'll speak to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.